Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, October 7th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, the money man, Dimitri Spanos in the house here. We're going to talk all things personal finance, money, what it can do for you, how to use it, how to invest it, some of the best habits and behaviors if you want to be financially independent or rich or whatever that looks like to all of you guys. But real quick, just some housekeeping things fast before I begin. Number one, again, uh, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app has been live now for a handful of months. We just changed the promo for you guys. So forever it used to be uh, do a month for a buck. Uh, We got rid of that stuff. So that's never coming back, I don't think. Uh, at least not in my lifetime. So uh, now the full offer, if you guys want to check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app, you get a week, 100% for free. So you guys can check it out. The link's in the show notes. You get access to all of our stuff, and you can try a week, 100% for zero dollars. If you like it, you can stay with us. If you think it sucks, you guys obviously can bounce and roll on out. I will say we are dropping a new program on Monday, which is October the 10th. It is a six-week strength and stamina program. It's a nice mix of obviously strength work, and then obviously there's some endurance and stamina stuff sprinkled in there as well. We'll release it as we go each week, but also inside there, you guys can get access to everything I have inside, all my nutrition stuff, my mobility, upper body, lower body, all the Metcons you love, and all of our other programs. So if you want to check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app, you guys get a free seven-day trial, and then if you want to join us from there, I'd love to see you guys inside. And you already know, this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you're somebody who struggles to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, Almost all of you guys do, even myself included. This is a nice way to cover the gaps in your nutrition. You still got to eat real food, but if you can't eat, let's say, 10 to 12 servings of fruits and veggies a day, this is a thing I would throw into your life. I take it with me everywhere I go. I've been traveling a lot, and I got a busy travel schedule the rest of the year, so I take the travel packs, I throw them in my backpack, throw it in a bottle of water, slam it, and I'm good to go. If you guys want to check it out, Right now, we'll give you guys a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. When you click on the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, the link is in the show notes. But if you want to try it before you buy it, you can send us a message. Don't be nervous. Don't feel weird. I'm happy to send it to you. And I'll have Monica send you a pack right to your front door. I don't care what state, country, providence you live in. We'll give you a free sample to try. It is the best tasting greens on the planet. Then you can get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. So again, I'm not just saying it to say it. Hit us up. Reach out to us. We will send you the samples. We do the same thing with our Beam CBD product, which I'll put in the show notes as well. If you guys want samples of either of those, let me know. And then all of our other sponsors are in the show notes if you guys want to check them out. So hit us up for a free sample of greens. Otherwise, go to the link, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get a year's supply of vitamin D and five for trouble packs with order one. It's always a mouthful. All right. So here we are. My man. Dimitri Spanos in the house. Welcome, my man. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, so you can give these guys as much of your origin story as you want. You can go back, you know, two years, 20 years when you started in finance or take it where you want. Uh, thanks. Yeah, so I'm an Arizona native. Uh, went to Grand Canyon University here in town. Uh, been in the industry for the financial services industry for uh, 23 years now. So I've seen a lot. <laughs> so when you were at Grand Canyon, what year? What, what, what year did you graduate? Uh, 1998. So how? First of all, I don't want to get off topic, but how different is Grand Canyon like from now till then? 
well, yeah, very different. Yeah. <laughs> there was only 2,000 students. I don't even know what the number is now. Like, uh, do they have sports? They did. Yeah, they had, you know, basketball and baseball were the were pretty popular, I think, at the time. Um, it was, you know, I was kind of, as I was writing out some things for this, I was thinking, uh, you know, we had to go to the library to use the internet. Because, you know, 1994, I think, is when the internet, like, oh, shit, kind of dude. made it more of a popular thing. Yeah, because when I'm, when I'm in college, we, we all have laptops. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the same as it is today, obviously. But you would go to a library. <laughs> That's crazy, Just to dude. do research on their, on their internet. It was crazy. I think in just 20, but what is that, 25 years ago? Yeah. The yeah. whole world is completely different. Yeah. I just asked because like we've been down to Grand Canyon. The campus is super nice, but the area around it is super ghetto. Oh, totally. Yeah. I had, I would, I had a fast car back then as well. And so, you know, you'd see my little car going like, you know, 60 miles an hour down Camelback just to get to the freeway so I can get out of that area. Yeah. It's a little different, yeah. but anyways, I'll yeah. let you go. Yeah. So yeah, basically, um, I work at Oppenheimer right now, uh, but most of my career I was at Morgan Stanley, and so earlier this year in, in January I moved to moved over to Oppenheimer, um, you know, just helping individuals, you know, with their finances, and and I've told you this a, a million times, you know, finance and fitness. I think there's a lot of similarities, um, so uh, kind of brought me to you know where what I do now. I I love it. And so what, what made you choose finance? Cause that's all you've really ever done, which for a lot of people, if you're listening, a lot of advisors, that's not always what they did. Sometimes it's the case. Yeah. Not much. No. Did you, and I'm, I'm going to go off topic here. Did you ever, uh, you ever watch the office? Yes. Okay. So, uh, David Wallace, like, do you know his story? So David Wallace on the office and people are going to be like, Jeremy, you're such a fucking nerd. He's, um, he's the CFO of Dunder Mifflin. But in real life, he was going to quit acting completely until one of the guys from the show told him to come in and play David Wallace on The Office. But at the time, he's still a financial advisor for Merrill Lynch the entire time he's on the show. Oh, wow. He's a real financial advisor, but then he plays the CFO, which is crazy. It's like you're on set with obviously like Steve Carell and it's like obviously, you know, super famous, worth, you know, hundred million bucks. And then you're just going to your day job. Like being, it'd be like you, you're on the fucking office half the time and then you come be here, which is crazy. That's crazy. But I think about that because even like, like my advisor or like friends of mine who either started in finance or now not in it and then, or vice versa, but you always, that was your goal. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a young kid, I, I, you know, I would watch my father interact with his financial advisor and, uh, just the respect that I would see him have for that person and just kind of open my eyes and said, wow, you know, here's a person that is respected from my father and makes my father money and makes himself money. I, I said, it seemed like a win-win kind of situation. So I, I actually approached him uh, when I was maybe a freshman in high school, the, my father's financial advisor. And I said to him, I said, okay, this is, you know, something I, I, I'm passionate about what, you know, what kind of path should I have? And so he said, go get a retail job when you're you know while you're in high school so I went and worked at Circuit City for you guys who don't remember <laughs> or even know what that is that was like the original well Circuit City is similar to Radio Shack I, I thought we com yeah competed with Best Buy yeah yeah 
But radio and Radio right. Shack was the smaller, shitty version. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that was probably one of my first jobs. Well, my first job was uh, at a grocery store doing bagging. Most know, of like us. Yeah. Most of us. Uh, but when, once I was able to drive, I, I did get my first job was at Circuit City, and you know I crushed it. I, I like sold everything, and like the, the promotion was to you know all those extended warranties. Oh, you're just yeah. trying to rip people off. Yeah, yeah, rip, yeah. rip people off. Uh, you know, I mean, I, me, but back then I, I think maybe well, I don't know. Like maybe it was always was it a good deal? I don't know. Because now it's like when people ask me, I'm like, I don't. Because Amazon will always do that. Like, you order something, like, do you want to extend a warranty? I'm like, this thing costs $30. Right. What do I give a shit? No. But back then, electronics were substantially more. Yeah. And I think it I think it was a good deal uh, for what you were buying. So, if remember the Walkman and the oh, yeah. CD. 100%. <laughs> so, those things, you could drop them, like, any second, right? And break them. Yeah. And so... If you paid twenty bucks for an extended warranty and you could get a brand new one next week because you dropped it, yeah, it's it's the new equivalent to well, I don't do insurance on my phone, but when I was broke, I used to. Yeah, like well, I'll pay the insurance because like I can't afford. Now I'm just like fuck it, I'll just buy a different phone. But I guess that makes sense if your phone's fifteen hundred bucks and the insurance is eight bucks a month. Yeah, it's pretty much worth it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so so you did that. You become you get on with. Morgan Stanley. Yes. Yeah. And so, and you worked there for shit, 20, 20 plus years. <laughs> and so in Oppenheimer, what is, for people listening, like, what is the difference between like you guys, like at Oppenheimer versus a Morgan Stanley versus like a, a Schwab or a Jones or, or somebody like, are they all, is everybody the same? Is, is it different? Uh, they're different, but the same, if that makes sense. So yeah. like the investments are all the same, you know? You, either you own app, you could buy Apple in any of those places, or you know those things are all the same. Um, I think the differences could be, uh, you know, it's a good question. Because you're buying the person, right? To me, the way that I th- and again, I always will compare what you guys do to like what we do. Anybody can teach you how to squat. Like a, a fucking monkey basically can do that if the coaching cues are right. Push your heels back, straight chest out, control breathing, like all these things. That's not why people come here. Right. Like they, maybe some of the stuff is what gets them here, but that's not why they stay here. It's the same thing for you guys where, oh, who's the best, you know, advisor at Merrill Lynch? I don't know. Do I like the guy? Do I not like the guy? Do I think he's trustworthy? Is she honest? Do I like her? That's basically what I'm doing. And do I think they have a, an acumen to help me? Right. Really. Yeah. And for me, it's if I can meet somebody in person where, and correct me if I'm wrong, typically Schwab is like you just call and yeah. you don't meet with anybody face-to-face. Yeah. And I'm old school, so I would rather meet with someone face-to-face at least once or twice a year. So I feel like they're not completely ripping me off, basically. <laughs> but that's me, though. No, you're absolutely right. That They are similar. You know, you have to have that bond with that person and know that, you know, just like you said, if they're going to come here and do the workouts that you put together, that you know, they're buying into what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like if they come in saying, oh, why are we doing these squats? I, squats are stupid. Well, they're probably not the person that <laughs> you want to come in. Exactly. And, and same here. You know, if if my process isn't the kind of something they could believe in, then they're not going to be successful either with me if, if they don't buy into it. So like what type of clients like do you work with? If you Do you have like an average demo i guess if you will yeah i 
most most of the clients that I work with, I'd say they have money. Yeah, they have money. Yeah, <laughs> they either are about to retire or you know need some. I'd say financial planning is something that I really believe in um, and and is part of the process. And so, and for people who listen, like, what does that, because I know a lot of people are novice here with money. What does that mean? Or how do you break it down? Like what is financial planning for, or I guess I'll put this, if I go back, who's the youngest person you have? Do you know? Uh, Youngest. It's yeah. I mean, she's probably in her, in her early thirties or, or late twenties. Okay. So you have people who, yeah. I don't want to say entry level. Maybe she has a shit ton of money, maybe not a lot, but you'll work with anyone. What does planning look like for someone who's, you know, maybe 30 or 60? The conversations are probably different. Totally different. Yeah. So the 30 year old, um, you know, she just got engaged. So we, you know, we're planning for her wedding. Um, her and her fiance want to buy a house. So we're planning on that. And then we're doing retirement planning. So, you know, she has three specific goals, um, you know, short-term wedding and maybe house is, is somewhat short-term and then long-term retirement. So, uh, you know, her, her planning looks totally different than the 50-year-old who, you know, maybe didn't, and we were going to talk, I know we're going to talk about this later, but maybe hasn't saved enough money, but, you know, is kind of saying, geez, I really like to go travel and take some time off of work, but I can I afford it? Um, can I retire when I'm 60 or 65? What does that look like? Look like? And so their planning, you know, is more, uh, more, you know, detailed and, and specific. You and know, and the that. investments are, I mean, probably the same stuff. Maybe the allocations are different just because one person's going to retire in 20, 30 years. One person, maybe 10 years. True. Different timelines. Yeah. But it comes down to risk. You know, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But, um, you know, if, if someone comes to me and says, I will lose my shit if I lose 20%. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. Then that, it could be a 30-year-old. I've had 30-year-olds, you know, really conservative 30-year-olds. I've had, you know, 90-year-olds who um, are investing for their their children and their grandchildren because they have enough money if to live on without their investments. And so they're a hundred percent stocks, you know, because they, they want that 5 million to be 10 million when they die. Um, so they're taking on risk that you could, that you wouldn't think a 90 year old would, but their situation, uh, you know, or their goal, you know, so it always comes to the, the what and why, why are we doing this? Why do people come to, to JSF, you know, is what's their goal? If their goal is to maintain their, their status, you know, or health, then you know that you could put that goal together or that program together for them. It's essentially like you're coaching for these guys where it, I guess it comes down to the individual, you know, like where you might be 25, but you don't want to lose 25%, which to me, it seems comical because who gives a shit? Like my, this is my thesis and I'm not an expert by any means, but if I'm, let's say I'm 39 today and the earliest I can pull money from these accounts without penalty, you know, without doing some, you know, fuckery is 59 and a half. Right. Basically. Mm-hmm. So that's 20 and a half years. Dude, that's a lifetime. Cause 20 and a half years ago I was in high school, like doing real dumb shit. So to me, I don't care if the market goes down like today it's down a couple percent. 
this year, my portfolio is just eating shit, obviously, like most people. And I'm okay with it. Because if my belief and my thesis is Coca-Cola, American Airlines, Apple is going to be around in 15 years, I think it's okay if it loses a couple bucks today. Yes. But some people, they kind of, it's like the shows, who's the dude, Jim Cramer? Yeah. He has a show where it's like everything is red arrows or green arrows, and it's always like hitting alarms and buzzers. (laughs) That's like panic porn. Right. But people watch that and get freaked out. Yeah. Do you, and if people do that, like, do you give them advice or have anything to say, hey, man, like, just chill out for a while? Yeah. So I, I call it block out the noise, you know? So, yeah, like, like I just said earlier, 20 some years ago, I was in the library at GCU, you know, looking at the internet for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but today we have the internet, you know, on our phones all the time where it's thrown at us. So if you don't block out the noise and say, okay, I'm 39. I can't touch this money until I'm 59 and a half. What, what does it matter? I mean, what does today have anything to do with 20 years from now? It It's being folk, you know, staying the course, staying invested, looking at these as, you know, more opportunities. So if your favorite, you know, favorite store is Nordstrom's and they have their annual sale, we're in it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, to me, if you believe in, you know, I guess the system or the easiest way I've ever thought of investing money into the stock market uh, is if you believe in America, you believe in the stock market. Right. If you believe America is still, and I always would say like, well, never, and now I'm kind of like, well, America's kind of being fucking weird lately. Like <laughs> it's the first time and I hate, maybe it's because I'm older or maybe because the last couple of years I've seen so much stupid shit, which we'll talk about too, where I, not that I don't have a belief in it, but I'm like, this is all made up, man. Like, yeah. it re- I really, you're starting to, when you understand, like, what the dollar is pegged to or not pegged to and the Federal Reserve and all these crazy things, it's um, it's strange. But for the most part, if you believe America is still going to be around, like, you can invest in it. And for the most part, historically, you can look at returns and kind of see what is possible for you. And and one, you know, I have, I, I'm getting older too, so I, you know, I start wondering, like, what what is America doing? But... At the same time, the way America was set up was every four years we can have a new kind of president, right? Or every four years a new, re- we have a new a regime, a new comes regime, in. yeah. And so things could change. So you might not like what's happening right now, but in in a couple of years that could change. And 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 that's the I think the beautiful thing about America is that you know that regime change could kind of change the dynamic. But at the same time, if you don't block out the noise, you'll drive yourself crazy because it could change in two years. So if you sold everything because you don't like something now, you you might be hurting yourself and, uh, you know, causing yourself a lot of trouble because if your goal was to retire and you have everything in cash, you're getting hammered right now. Yeah. Cause inflation's murdering you guys. Well, and I look at it too, if it's Coca-Cola, do I think people are still going to drink Coke in 20 years? Yeah. I do. I yeah. think that's the world we live in. Hmm. Even if it's McDonald's, are people still going to go, yeah, dude, I really believe that. Even though if the, if those stock prices are high, it's going to be around. Right. It's going to make money. And if you're a person listening where all your stuff is eating it right now, you're just basically buying in at a lower price point. Right. And if you look at historically, hey, what was the Dow 10 years ago? I don't know, 20 maybe? Yeah. You know, and so now it's... 20 it means eating it but it's 29 so there is an increase right over time but you can't basically what i'm saying is you can't panic and pull your money out at the bottom no which some no. people tend to do 
Yeah, that that's probably the biggest mistake someone can make is to panic and and um, you know get out at the bottom. They don't they don't realize it's the bottom, you know, because they're panicked. Um, but it you know that's why you have to do all the planning ahead of time. So if I came in here and said, Jeremy, I want to have the biggest shoulders in in this that in Arizona, right? Yeah. Like, and I came in here, but I didn't tell you that I have like tears in my rotary cuff yeah you know but i didn't tell you any of this but you're gonna go and put me on you know the biggest shoulder workout in the world and i'm gonna be broken next week so risk is kind of similar to that like if i don't if you don't talk to your financial advisor or if you're trying to do it yourself and you don't consider everything that the risk that you're taking then you're gonna hurt yourself and then you're gonna fall back and you're not gonna accomplish your goals how many people do you think have an advisor? Is there like a number? I'm sure the stat is out there somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what the stat is. It can't yeah. be that high, though. Can it? Yeah, it might not be. Do you think yeah. it's 50%? It might not be, yeah. Like, I'm just That's curious. A good question. I don't know. Just because, like, I wonder, it can't, I don't, because, and I mean that just because most people are not that smart with money. So I'm like, how many people... You know, how many people do you think have, you know, a, a trainer like you to, like, help them? No. Hold on. Here we go. Yeah. There are many benefits to working with a financial advisor, yet only 35% of Americans have one. 35%, yeah. <sighs> Bro. I bet it's similar for you, too. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, but you can go, like, you can go do pull-ups and, like, lunges and run around the park. You'd but be, you don't. You'd be okay. No, you don't. <laughs> That's insane to me, dude. And I'm and I'm not saying people can't do their own investments if that, but you're. It's a lot to. I'll put it this way: I know enough to be dangerous. I think at this point, because I study it, I'm fascinated by it. I meet people like you. I'm surrounded by, because we live in Scottsdale. I have people who have millions and millions and millions of dollars, and I get to hear all their stories. So I get this great secondary education. But with that said, I can't be good enough at this what i do in fitness and monitor that stuff all day like you came in here today at like let's say one o'clock and the dow is eating it right i don't even i'm not even looking at it it's not even a thing in my mind right and not that i would have to if i was managing my own stuff but i probably would be really i don't know it would cause me i think anxiety if I, if I was to to live in it every day but again if i rely on somebody who does it for a living all day. I'm assuming you're on different calls hearing things before I hear them or things maybe that I never hear. True. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the people that do, you know, manage their own investments, you know, as long as they have that process down though, like, you know, you just said like, as long as they're monitoring it, tracking it, they have a method of doing that. They could be very su successful too. For sure. Yeah, just like you said, someone could go do pull-ups and lunges and oh, on dude. their own. Yeah, there are there there is a percentage of people that could be successful, um, but going back to why they're successful, you know, they know what they're trying to accomplish. They have a plan. They're they're doing the things that they need to do uh, consistently, right? Um, and making that work for them. But very few people, I think. Yeah. There, I can't tell you how many people, you know, back in 2008, uh, you know, I would, or before 2008, said, why would I want to invest money with you? I have, you know, f I'm flipping houses, I'm making all this money, but did they realize what kind of risks they were taking when they were doing it? Probably not.
So, because I lived through the 07, 08 um, shit show, which <laughs> was. Now, I'm too young to have, because I graduated college like 05, 06-ish. So, I'm trying to get a job in that environment for people who are listening. It was a, f- a mess. Like, I'm applying at, and I tell us here all the time, I'm applying at like Enterprise for a job. No offense. Who the fuck wants to work at Enterprise, dude? And the lady's dead serious. It was like in Chandler. And, and I'm living at, I'm living in the hood. I'm like in 32nd and Bell here. I'm in like the Greenway Square in my buddy's place. Paying 500 bucks for an upstairs bedroom that's 300 degrees. And I remember driving to Chandler to go to this Enterprise, rent a car. And I'm sitting in this interview. And yeah, you know, if it gets busy, like you, you'll wash the car. Like, like I got a fucking suit on. Like, if it was busy, I'd be out there with, like, a shirt and tie washing cart. It's 117 degrees, lady. I'm just thinking in my life, I'm like, man, this can't be, you know, what is meant for me. And, and I share that because the world, it was it was very competitive because people were losing their jobs. People were losing all their shit. It's how I bought my first condo was a guy on a foreclosure because he paid 5x what I paid for it, and he couldn't make the payments. And almost every property I looked at during that time was either a short sale, if people remember those, or foreclosures, and not just normal ones. Like I would go to, I'm talking like the Biltmore Square. I bought a place like in the that Biltmore Central Phoenix Quarter, which is super nice now, and it was then too. But in the condo complex, I bought my first place. The occupancy was maybe thirty percent. Wow. And I looked at three different units in there. I looked at a bunch of different units, and a lot of them would have like the cabinets ripped out. Yeah. Um, they would take the light fixtures because people were so angry yeah and just salty yeah and overpaid for these things so obviously you live through it on a in a a different setting than me but what was it like before like it melted down like how were people's i guess behaviors and then obviously post that yeah before uh like i mentioned like they they would look at me like what the hell the stock market only goes up you know eight nine percent but i'm making 25 percent on my real estate and these are just people flipping homes or kind of both be, you know even for the people that just had real estate they were seeing it appreciate so much because the you know the flipping was working sounds like the last couple of years here right exactly yeah. it has some similarities right and so they i you know i was obviously a lot younger in my career so i was trying to get new clients and competing with this like and i kept telling them well real estate you know, is a, is definitely an investment, but you shouldn't have a hundred percent of your assets in one, one asset class. There's multiple asset classes that you should be investing in. And the, for the whole point of diversification now, you know, when 2008 began or 2000, you know, the end of it, it didn't matter what asset class you were in. Everything was hammered. Cause right? the market went down like four, Fif- four, Forty percent, like close to there. There's a time where it was down fifty percent. Imagine that, yeah. dude. You're yeah. an older person on like fixed income. You have, you know, and maybe your stuff doesn't go down fifty, but you're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some people millions of dollars. Yeah, in like a day. Yep. And then your home values go to shit. Yep. And for people who are listening, like, what is the problem with that? If you're leveraged so much. That's where it is, where you're buying these properties for price A, you're doing a reno, you hold the note on the house. So you're, you're, the juice is running. Yes. And now you can't get rid of it. 
Yeah, you can't get rid of it. And if you have multiples of those and there's no money coming in, how long can you bleed 15, 20, 30K? Right. Not a long Not time. Not long at all. Yeah, some people, it was like two months. You know, other others might have made it six months, but then, you know, it just all caught up to them. So, yeah, leverage, yeah, when markets are strong, leverage, you know, could be an asset. But you, Yeah, and I'm, yeah, again, like, I'm yeah. a fan of, if you want to use, like, we'll talk about, the pandemic stuff versus back then if you can use these lower interest rates to lock into low enough payments to where we would always joke about this heather and i when we bought our house which back then it's 10 years ago i thought was expensive now it seems fucking comical even though to me i i believe these prices now are inflated and i don't think they're correct but maybe i'm just the old guy you know talking from the back of the room but when we bought our house i said to her you know this is you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars which you know we're kid. I'm in my twenties. She's in her twenties. We're not used to that. And I don't come from a place where there is money. You know, my old man probably paid 80 grand for his house, you know? So it's different. Yeah. And I said, Hey, we can, we can live here. And even if you suck at your, your career and I'm a loser in fitness, like we can work at Walmart and like afford to, to stay here and live here. And so I always went, you know, what's the kind of rent rate equivalency. If I was to rent something, it'd be substantially more than owning this even with all the maintenance and upkeep of a home. So that was like our thesis for buying our place. But a lot of people obviously don't operate the same. And so you look at what people were doing then, and did you see people, I guess you probably heard a ton of horror stories like post or during like, you know, 07, 08, 09. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, in 08, it was, you know, capitalism was being threatened, you know, like, banks could have you know there's banks going under because um, essentially for people listening like if you ever seen like the big short is yeah. probably the best movie oh by far to walk into it's it's, it's great it's a great movie <laughs> it's funny too yeah well christian bale is the shit and yeah brad pitt's in it too right. uh steve carell it's a great cast yeah but we basically bail the banks out yeah if if we didn't bail the banks out there would be anarchy <laughs> like like literally be killing each other yeah we all be killing each other and i'm like I would go to work every day just not knowing if the doors would even open. Like No shit. Yeah. Like we I had a secondary company on like the phone the whole year just in case. If I showed up to Morgan Stanley and Morgan Stanley said, Sorry, we're we're done I I had to figure out well where am I gonna take my clients? So there's a smaller company next door that I knew wasn't affected by what was happening because they weren't involved in any of those subprime loans. Yeah. And so I knew they would be standing if Morgan Stanley failed. And so I had, we had an office like picked out in their, at their company. Like the poor manager got pissed when they bailed Morgan Stanley out because well, he was going to cru- crush thought, it. Yeah. He thought we were all coming over to work at his company, but but that's how crazy it was. I had a, I had to have like a backup plan in case, you know, everything just failed. And it was, I would say it was if the minutes from failing too, like if, if we didn't bail out some of these companies. Cause there's another movie, is it margin call? I think is another movie where they, they kind of go through like the, you know, the, you know, last hour, like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And I'm not a fan of corporate bailouts in general, because no. I think it's, we were roaring like fuckery and, oh, hey, sorry, um, Ford, you guys fucked up. We're going to bail you out. Right. But if I do it, 
at my house, no one's going to bail me out. If Jeremy Scott Fitness eats shit, nobody cares. No. But if American Airlines does, well, we'll bail you guys out yeah. because we need to fly. And I'm not a fan of those things. However, I'm not a fan of the banking one either, but man, it would have been, it would have been way worse. It would have And that's been. the only yeah. time, like, I probably would say that because imagine if you can't get any money or your money is just worthless or it just doesn't exist anymore. And now what are we doing? Yeah. That's we're, how close it was. We're fucking going barbarians, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, what, what's the movie? The Purge? Yeah. Purge, it's basically yeah. like Purge night every night. That's, exactly. So yeah, who, who has live, the most weapons and yeah. ammunition? And who's this, this most badass person? Right. Uh, so yeah, you live through that. Yeah. And, that was crazy. And yeah. what, like how different, and for people listening, the, if do you want to just talk about like the subprime mortgage stuff real quick, basically what they're doing was they're letting people buy homes that shouldn't have been buying multiple homes and not really pre-qualifying them like real rigorously, like and just letting like somebody who yeah. makes a hundred grand a year buy like three houses. Yeah. Yeah. Like at, at inflated prices, the plumber, you know, I remember coming over to the house and you know, this is when I knew it was bad. He was, you know, he, he made at the time probably $70,000. It's not bad. You know, not yeah. bad. He was, he had a good job and he was telling me how, you know, why are you in the stock market when you could be flipping houses and, you know, had, he had three houses that he was working on and about to flip. And I just shook my head. I said, you know, what the F? <laughs> like, doesn't it seem like if it's that easy and everybody can do it, something is off. Right. Like you just, and again, I, I was younger then and I didn't have the education I have now, but I just, I got lucky time-wise to buy the things I bought. But now as I've lived the last like three years, it's not the same for a handful of reasons, but a lot of the, the principles feel like similar to me and feel weird. Yeah. This, this time I think it's more like the night 1990s or late 1990s, that dot-com bubble yeah right like it had it has a lot of similarities to that more than i'd say the 2008 um because the the biggest difference probably one people i would assume have locked into lower interest rates yeah hopefully um because nobody's refining so if you're a loan officer sorry you're probably fucked yeah you're, you, I mean, you're think hurting about right now how when how does that God, I could say, there's like so many avenues because like, I think the average like real estate transaction, there's like what, like 30 people who are involved. It's a lot. Yeah. When you think about it, like, yeah, I'm the real estate agent, but I'm also like the loan officer. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the people at the bank, but yeah, I have an appraiser. Yeah. I have a home inspector. Like there's a lot of jobs. Now imagine how busy those guys were the last couple of years. And now if you're the loan guy, you're probably doing how many refis? Insane, yeah. insane amount. Yeah. Now it's zero. Yeah gone to zero so i would assume that the biggest difference is a we don't have as much inventory as back then although i do think some of that like there's no inventory stuff is kind of bullshit too and i can talk about that in a second and again i'm just a fitness guy what do i know uh but also the interest rates are so low people could refi and hopefully the payment isn't going to crush them even if they do lose their jobs and then they would have equity in the house if it, things were to go sideways. So they could sell it and still get, hey, here's a hundred thousand bucks. Your house, you know, is at least worth that. Where back then there wasn't. No. Yeah. And people 
owed way more than the house was worth and they just had a full shot because they could never come back from it. Right. Yeah, that's the biggest difference right there. You hit it on the head. So if if I'm struggling now in this environment and I did take too much leverage, you know, I have some equity in in something, hopefully. So you could sell it and at least because I look at it now. Deleverage. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you've seen, what have you seen the last three years in terms of like just, I guess, A, if you want to go the quantitative easing route. And you can explain it to people, or I can, because it's these these fucking terms these guys come up with. It's insane. <laughs> so the, the QE stuff that's been going on the last three years, also how the housing prices have increased insanely, and then obviously this interest rates going from essentially in the two percent now to seven percent. Like you you've just lived in two extreme worlds from twenty twenty early till now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, in your life, have you ever seen anything like that? No. Crazy. It's Especially so crazy, in, yeah. and like in like places like Scottsdale. It's everywhere, though. But Scottsdale, uh, Austin, and probably Nashville. Yeah. These huge influxes. Yep. The pandemic, yeah, it really changed everything, right? So Not you, for the better. Not for the better, no. But, you know, if you were an executive in San Francisco, um, you know, before the pandemic, and, your, you know, your house was worth whatever, um, and now with the pandemic, you could work anywhere. Um, so why are you paying all these expensive prices and real estate taxes when you could move to a, a city like Scottsdale, um, pay you know a, a fraction of the property taxes, and sell your house for five million? Yeah, and buy one here for three. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, have th- you know five times the space too. You were living in a thousand square foot apartment in, in San Francisco. You know, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but but ba- that's but yeah. their stuff is so valued high. They then they move here. It'd be the, and they drive up the prices. It'd yep. be like if I decided today, hey man, you know, I don't want to be in Scotts anymore. I want to be in, you know, North Platte, Nebraska, and I want to go there and buy the the most ballin' house for five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, and what the and, and if someone else wanted it, I'd be like, well, I'll pay five fifty. Right? Because what the fuck is fifty grand to me if I just sold my house for a couple million? Exactly. And that's where. In, oh, I could, there's so many things we could talk about the institutions too buying up homes. But anyways, people moved that that obviously jacked up the prices like crazy. Yep. Of housing. But uh, the institutions are it is something to bring up right now because basically all of these like all of the money that was created with the low interest rates and you know uh, these private companies you know you know they're making say they're say they're making a uh, million dollars of revenue a year and someone comes to them and, and you know i don't know what the average is but i would guess like before a few years ago it would be normal to say i'm going to give you three million dollars for your company because you make a million dollars a year and that was normal but of the last few years that number got elevated dramatically and so now someone that has a million dollar business people are coming to them and saying I'm going to give you $15 million, bro, 15, you make a million a year and someone's going to give you $15 million, 15 X. Yeah. Yeah. 15 X. And that's probably on the high side, but say it's 10 times, $10 million. You're going to walk away. You, you just got you, if you're in your fifties and you're going to get 10 million and you don't have to work anymore because you, you just got 10 million, you're going to take it, bro. And so now you need, what are you going to invest in? So you're going to go give it to these private companies. So like Blackstone and all of these private 
investments. Well, what do they need to do? Shit, we got all this money. We need to make money on it. They make a percentage of what you give them, and and they get incentive fees. So if they're if they're if they do a good job, they collect twenty percent of the profit. And so, what are we gonna do, Jeremy? What are we gonna do? Let's go buy up all of these houses and charge people and inflate their rent and and have this appreciating asset now that we're getting 20% clip clips off of you know so that that's crazy that changes the whole dynamic of what happened like when you think about it is it weird that that didn't happen before at there wasn't the so if you were a blackstone before you could probably get away with your traditional things still do well not have to think out outside the box but all of a sudden people are giving you 10 million dollars because they just sold and that's what it, that's what it was these guys are getting an influx of money yeah and that money just comes because the rates are so low or because we're printing money and doing stupid we're shit. printing money but then and then these multiples are going crazy so all of these private businesses are saying okay let's sell let's sell now why wouldn't we sell when we could get 10 years worth of our revenue yeah, I mean, I have people here where these equity groups come to them and want to buy their pool company or their dental practice, and it's it's a shit ton of money. And I would hate to, like, you know, no one wants to buy Jeremy Scott Fitness. It's a terrible business because <laughs> like, it's, it's it'd be awful. I go, but if someone came to me and I was 50 and they said, hey, Jeremy, we're going to give you $15 million dollars. And assuming that in 10 years, $15 million is still the same as today. Maybe let's make like $20 million. Okay. Let's say it's $20 million. It, it, it would be really hard for me to sell Heather on we're going to keep the gym open and, we're, and I'm going to keep like filming these videos and doing all this same shit if it was just $20 million, like not just – it was my money. Just right. $20 million in a pot and you're good because we, we don't owe anything and it would be tough. So I do understand it. It's When I think about it, I guess that's probably the reason why they didn't do it 10 years ago. Because if it was me and I'm these guys, I'd be like, well, fuck, dude. Let's buy it. And, and you kind of create a monopoly, which I'm not a fan of. But I'm also a fan of capitalism, so it's, it's hard to to draw the line. But for people who are listening, what we're saying is like these huge institutions were buying up a majority of the properties, probably, what do you think, like under half a mil? Yeah, up, up to a million I saw. Up to a million. Yeah, I live in McCormick Ranch, and I, I'm pretty sure it was like, a, you know, their threshold was anything at a million or lower. So they can come in and outbid the average person by fifty to a hundred thousand because it doesn't matter. And pay cash and and be and close, you know, in fifteen days if someone and waive all the inspection shit. Yeah, waive all the inspections. And if you're doing that, where they're buying up whole communities essentially, or a bunch of places in the same you know, vicinity, they're also driving up the market for themselves. Right. So you're raising the values for your, it's it really, it, if hopefully people understand what I'm saying, like if on your street, if you're listening, these guys come in and they're going to buy 10 houses on your street and they can outbid everybody else for every single house and essentially just keep raising. So if you live there and you want to sell and move to something smaller, it worked great for you. Right. The problem is if you want to get into the real estate game or, you just want to like move up. They just fucked you right? because one, the prices are elevated and they do need to come back down, which I'll talk about. But if the younger people, and that's my main concern is for the younger person trying to get into a place because 
the prices are so high, and I don't think these institutions plan on selling these things ever. No. I mean, maybe. Um, you know, if they needed for what? If you know, if, if rent was, you know, let's say, let's say there starts to become competition between leases and buying a house. Yeah. You know, I don't know when that could happen, but it it could happen. True. Yeah. Um, at that point, you know, if it's if it is competitive and they're not making uh, on those incentive fees, it, they have to. There's something called a hurdle rate, and so a Blackstone or any of these private companies, they say they're okay, the biggest. Yeah, Blackstone's a huge, right? You're talking uh, like what is it like? Is it multi billions? Yeah, multi like billions and billions, <laughs> yeah. like with a B. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so with their investors, they say, okay, you know, we're gonna guarantee you that you make the first six percent. Or, you know, something, that's the hurdle rate, some some nominal number. So, and like, if I gave them money, they yep. got to pay me my six. Your six. Yep. If they make 10, then they take 20% of the extra four that they made. Okay. So, so they're not going to make money if all they can do is make 6% because it's all going to you. And if that happens, they're not going to want to hold that asset too much longer because all of a sudden they're not making money. You, you you might be happy with the six in that environment. Who knows? Um, but however, you know, if you're not making, if they're not making money, they're going to try to find another asset that they're going to make money because that's their job is to go out and make money. <laughs> so, but right now they have no need. Yeah. Right now I can't see a reason why they're going to s- start selling properties if they're leasing them and clipping eight, 9%, uh, you know, return on their money. So essentially you turn people into perpetual renters forever forever just because the prices have gotten so astronomical and obviously there's different programs for like you know fha loans and, and different things like that but even so i just the people trying to get in the game because when you look at uh, probably most of your clients too and correct me if i'm wrong they're they're they've built wealth over a long period of time most people i mean how many of them like inherited their money it's got to be probably a pretty small number yeah yeah inheritance and i have a couple people that won the lottery so no shit that's rare that'd be sweet (laughs) yeah very rare (laughs) so most people like they did it the old traditional way where they they save money they invested it but probably real estate has to be a huge part of their portfolio yeah like in they they bought a property lived in it sold the property and then they continued to do that if that person never gets into property one what's the odds of them being where they're at today with you yeah not yeah it's really hard So that's my, if I was, and I always say, if I use myself as an example, if I went and where Heather and I will, any problems we have are just their luxury problems. They really are. Uh, She might not see it that way sometimes, but it's the, it's, (laughs) it's the truth where I've already bought all the early stuff. And if I want to move to something else, like I'll just cash flow the difference, whatever. So if the prices go down, it helps me more because I'm not affected by interest rates. But if I'm me, like, let's say same work ethic, same talent, same timing, all the same stuff. But it's this environment. There's no fucking way I can do this same thing I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. It'd be impossible. Because the first place I'm going to buy a condo in Scottsdale is what? 400000 bucks, At least. Like, imagine that's you. You're tw- I bought my first place when I was, what, 20, 27 probably? 26? I'm going to go out and spend... And, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm teaching jumping jacks, like in fitness, right? So it's the early stages of my business. I suck and I'm terrible and I'm making no money. <laughs> I'm going to buy a place for 400K. Well, I, I disagree. 
disagree. Um, disagree with you because I met you when you first started. Well, here, yeah, so yeah, you were really good. Yes, uh, yeah, just, but it's like, <laughs> but, yeah, but you're I get not what making, you're saying you're not making as much money. No, yeah. and I couldn't imagine the amount of anxiety and stress that would put on me at that age to because that number not and it doesn't today because I'm older and I've lived through this, but at that age to look at that amount of money be like, and the payment even if the rate was low, which they're not now, right. So that's something. So if, if some kid comes to you and he's, you know, whatever, 27, 28, he's like, hey, man, I want to buy a place. I've been saving money. I got $80,000 cash, which is a shit ton of money to be young, which most people don't. Yeah. And he wants to buy a condo for 400000 at 7% interest. I mean, what do you tell a kid like that? Well, it's not a bad investment. So no. It, it, in in 10 years, is it worth more? For sure. Yeah. And, and... You know, if and if rents keep going up, you know, he's kind of locking in like, hey, I'm, I know my mortgage is going to be X. You know, this is this is my plan. So I think. And you can refi. Yeah, refi. But, but could you, know, you imagine buying your yeah. house today? Yeah, at no, 7%? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. No. Is that crazy? You no, know, my first house, I was the same age, I think, as you were when I bought my first house. It was $110,000. Where was that? Out in Peoria. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Now, what's that? What's it today? Probably. Mm, 500 600 i i don't know if it's that much it might be only like 400 you know but still, but still it's crazy but my rate was seven percent whoa back then yeah but and, so. and see and that's where there was a, i shared a video with some friends the other day with this guy he's a i think he's a real estate agent he's on this because we post on tiktok for our business he's posting this video he's like nobody gives a shit what your grandpappy's 14 percent interest rate was because he bought a house for 15 dollars <laughs> and I say that because the example you give a house is 110k at 7%. What's your payment? I, yeah, I think it was 1100 bucks maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you can chew on that. Yeah. But if that house today at 400 at 7% or your house today, which is obviously like millions of dollars at 7%, that's brutal. Oh yeah. And that's where I'm like this just seems like the prices have to go down. If people are going to continue to buy stuff, do they not? Yeah. I mean, no one could afford it. Like you said, like where you're going is, you know, how much can you afford? Um, that, that's what's hard. And the rates are going to continue to go up. Yeah, right. For now, they are for sure. So that means your payment would only go, go up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have a guess? Like, you, this is not what you do, but we all, we're just individual humans. Like... I would imagine the prices are going to have to keep dropping like for a decent amount of time. Otherwise none of this inventory is going to move. Yeah. Well, so in my, in my business, there's an adage that says don't fight the fed. Okay. And so the federal reserve and for all the listeners out there, you know, they control rates, you know, on the short end. So can we just talk about that real quick? Yep. These guys are, it's a fake group of people. (laughs) They're not this on the government, right? They're separate. They're separate, right? But they control interest rates. Is that not so, crazy? Yeah. Who and who, these are just some dudes. Yep, they're elected. By who? Uh, I'm pretty sure, like uh, the president and you know different people. And so in we Congress. just and so people listening, we just elected a group of people who just make up shit and pump in numbers into a computer because now it's not even printing money; it's just putting it into a database, right? And and pushing it out, right? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So. <laughs> So that's the Fed. That's the Fed, yeah. The, you know. And so when there's like the federal fun, funds rate. And yeah, they control that. And so it, 
it dictates mortgages, it dictates car loans, it dictates a lot of different things that our whole financial industry is all about, okay? But they only control, you know, I'd say from zero to two years worth of interest rates. And the theory is that the market past two years is is market related. So like the 10-year treasury, uh, so for people listening, that you could give the money give money to the government and in return they'll they'll pay you a specific percentage uh, of interest and then at the end of that term you get your money back but every year you get the interest and so right now the 10-year treasury um, is currently at 3.8 you know call it 3.85 percent roughly yeah okay the two-year treasury uh, is like 4.25 percent so that that's called the yield curve and and what what we have right now is called an inverted yield curve. Yes. And if and for people that don't know, that's not a good sign. That that's telling you telegraphing that the economy, the market, and the Fed don't necessarily agree. Like the Fed, the Fed's raising rates because they're trying to slow this economy down. They want prices to come down. They don't. They do not want inflation. So they're going to do everything they can to kind of bring everything down with it's it. force compliance yeah it's essentially making things so expensive you can't afford them right no one's you're gonna think about it before you buy it so to your point we're talking about mortgages you know i'm gonna think twice about moving my if i wanted to say upgrade my house in my neighborhood i'm gonna think twice now because my mortgage is at 2.8 percent <laughs> And for you to, even if you sold your place at the peak, which was probably what, six months ago? Six months ago. To move into something else, you would get murdered. Yeah. Because the price is so high, because I do think these prices are fake, but two, the rate is so high. Yeah. And so that's what, and the same thing with car loans. Right. Which we talked about briefly too. Yeah, we talked about cars, yeah. And I do think those are going to eat shit. Yeah. Like I think they're well, going to. And when dealerships were charging, you know, all these, you know, premiums on cars dude like i'll tell this story just because i just am so irritated um <laughs> these guys know like so we you know, i only did this because a i couldn't i've told this story in here a million times i was trying to get an older truck um before um i paid my house off i'm like well i'll just wait i'll pay my house off i'll do it after well then the pandemic happens and then you go figure so i can't buy any of the used shit i can't find it it's way overpriced um so depreciating assets are now appreciating because that's the last three years we've lived in that's why i say these last three years just feel completely fucking backwards to me yeah and so my dad's like hey you know you're gonna die one day basically is what he texts me and uh, he's like you, you make too much money and you're gonna be old and he's like just go buy yourself something that you like so the Ford Broncos um, come out like the big body Sasquatch on 35s. They're great. It's like your Jeep. Yeah. Like on steroids. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the doors come off and the mirrors still stay on, which is pretty badass. But so anyway, so I ordered that January of 2021. Well, I don't fucking have it. Yeah. And so I'm this, I'm sharing the story because they call me and he's like, hey, do you want to put in your order for the 2023 year? And he says it with a straight face, which I could just punch the guy through the phone. And it's not his fault. He's just a, you know. He's so far down the line, like he doesn't really work for Ford, but he right. does work for Ford. And he's like, "Here, here's your options, but if you want the Bronco Raptor, which I don't, it's just way too. It's like a looks like a fucking Hummer. It's huge. I mean, oh. it looks it looks badass, but I'm like, I have no business driving that. And uh, he's like, you can you can put an order for that if you want, but 
it's $20,000 on top of MSRP if you want that. Yeah. Like what? Insanity, dude. Yeah. For a thing that is going to go down. Right. It just is. Yeah. So I do think the car thing is going to turn around too. Yeah. I really do. I just think people have, because of the money stuff, they, we printed too much money. A bunch of people got a bunch of, in my opinion, like fake money and then went out and, and bought a bunch of dumb shit with it. Right. And that's probably going to rear its ugly head here, I would imagine, sooner than later, especially if people like lose jobs. Yeah. You know, mentally, the pandemic was, it was crazy, right? I mean, yeah. you didn't know, all right. You know, are you going to die or is everyone around you going to die? Yeah. And so, you you, it, you know, it created this dynamic that's just undescribable. I mean, you yeah. can't even describe it. Our but. reaction to it did way more harm yeah. than good. And it's going to continue to. And I said this to Heather. Again, I'm just a guy who does bear crawls for a living. What do I know? <laughs> I said this almost instantly. I go the financial ramifications of this will be the thing that crushes people the most. And I'm out of, I don't I didn't know with like, you know, if people would die or this or that short of that. I go, because this is You can't just, it's not a light switch. You can't just turn things on and off. You can't tell people, Hey man, just stay home. Don't do anything. Let's give you money. Let's not make anything and just keep buying shit. Right. And then think that you're not going to have this complete fucking inverted, just dumpster fire happening for not not just supply chain stuff, but for an extended period of time. Right. And now you're starting to live through it now, like just barely. Yeah, it's crazy. And when I and I mentioned it earlier, like when it's when I say QE, quantitative easing for yeah. people at home, it's basically just printing money. Yeah, they printed all this money to be, you know, if, at first I I think it was necessary in the very beginning because they didn't know. Yeah, they didn't for know. Sure. Yeah, we were. Like talking about recession, so two thousand. We've talked about two thousand seven, two thousand eight. That was a, a great. They call it the great financial crisis, is what they called it. But it was a severe recession, and we were in March of twenty twenty when the pandemic, you know, kind of was at it at its peak. We were heading down this huge recession path, and you know the markets were going nuts. They were dropping so fast, and so. So they used quanti quantitative easing was what they created in 2009 to get us out of the financial crisis and printing money, printing money. And it, and it worked, but I think, I think, Oh shoot. I wish I knew the number now. Like, I think it's, I think it's 40% of all the money that's ever created was created in the last two years. But so in 2009, I think they, they did like a billion dollars. I, I'm just going to say that number. That's I'm not it? Yeah, maybe it was more. Maybe $100 billion. I, I may, we'll have to look that up. Yeah. But basically, this time around, they put trillions of dollars. Like, it, was, it wasn't even with a B. It was trillions of dollars. And so, to your point, you know, the, the amount of money created in the last couple of years is insane. I think it's 40% of all the money ever. Yeah. And I think back then in 08, the Fed was buying $500 billion in mortgage-backed securities. And a hundred billion in the other debt. Yeah, but still, um, we just did like like fucking with a T. But guess what the Fed's doing now? They're quantitative quantitative tightening. So they're taking all that. They're trying to take that money out, and that's what's happening. You know, and started happening in September. They're supposed to do that each month here, on top of raising rates. So 
they're they're trying to slow everything down on purpose so that we could you know and if we go into recession is it a bad thing no it's not a bad thing it's it to your point first of all are we are we not living in it yeah can we can we with this with these with the terminologies the the fuckery that the and again i again i'm not judging anybody i would never want these jobs but we're lying yeah we're changing the definitions of what they are and like anybody who is living through the last like year you're telling me this is awesome like everything every price is increased like crazy like we're not you know we are negative growth GDP if you look at it. Like, two quarters. Is yeah. that not Probably the definition three. of a recession? Yeah. Yet we're just going to say, oh, no, we're really not. Yeah. What? Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. And for people listening, like what quantitative easing, why is it bad to print a bunch of money? It causes inflation. And it devalues. <laughs> and devalues everything you have now. Yeah. It's The way so. I, I think about it is if you're super thirsty, right? And it's like the one bottle of water versus 100 bottles of water. If you're, you really just need a drink and I got a hundred, I got a hundred bottles here. It doesn't matter. But if I have one, that thing is like, it's so valuable. Yeah. If I got 10,000, what does it matter? Yeah. It's the same thing. The more of it there is, the less valuable it becomes over time. Right. And it's the same way. If you look at like, was it 1971? The average home price was like 25,000. And then the average uh, income was like 11,000. It's insane, right? Yeah. And then you think now the average home price is 400 and some. And if you look at that trajectory, does it get to a million? Yeah. And are people making 500,000, yeah. you know, percentage-wise? Not like even close. Saying? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So wage growth, you know, is something that, you know, you pay attention to. It's obviously lagging. Um, we're not going to... Wage growth can't keep up with when inflation's as high as it is right now. Because so, what do they say inflation is? Uh, last month it was what eight point five percent. I mean, what do you really think it is? I feel like it's fifteen twenty percent. Isn't crazy? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if you go buy uh anything, you you like the uh, the Star Kiss like pre made packets of tuna. They used to be a buck. Yeah. Now they're a buck twenty five. Yeah. That's not an eight percent increase. No. That's twenty five percent. Is your house only worth eight percent more than it was two years ago? No. Isn't that insane? Yeah. But they don't factor in certain things they skew the numbers yeah and i think that's that does a detriment to people because they don't know like because i I feel like we just have our heads up our ass sometimes like do you realize how rough it is economically right now but people i don't think they do no a lot of times because again it's not on the news as much people don't talk about it like you'll notice oh i put gas in my car it costs more and people get salty but it's everything yeah like if inflation is 15 percent, that means your dollar basically is worth 15% less every day that goes by. Yeah. <laughs> which is insane, right? Yeah. And I understand what they're doing now, but it's funny to think like six months ago or so, maybe even close. I mean, a year ago. they're like, it's transitory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how did these guys shit the bed that bad? Yeah, they, they did. That's for sure. But they kept the rates way too low. Yeah. For way too for long. Too long. Yeah. 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 And here we are. Here we are. We're, we're dealing with it. Man. Yeah. So I guess the point is like people can't, you can't save your way to retirement. You can't save your way out of this. No, no. It's impossible. Yeah. And, you know, putting together a a roadmap, I think, I think, you know, the next 10 years, uh, the one thing I, there is a lot of headwinds and a lot of crap going on right now, but I'm sure there's something like a silver lining somewhere. 
and and you know well, if you if you got money and the prices go down you probably can buy a bunch of shit <laughs> yeah yeah but technology i'd say uh, has has been tremendous over the last few years you know so you know you, th- you talked about it way earlier in the show um there was all these people to all these jobs for people to do a mortgage right i think it's like, I think it's like 30 some 30, people 30 are involved people. yeah, yeah. Doesn't that seem crazy? Like, so with technology, don't you think that should probably maybe get down to like three or four people? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would, if it was me, yeah. uh, we'd weed them all out. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, if, and again, I understand a realtor who's knowledgeable to look for things and to do the paperwork and due diligence that I'm not going to do. Yeah. Uh, but there's a service there that's warranted, right? And I'm cool with that. And yeah. I think they can negotiate for you less emotionally than like you would. And there's benefits, but to me, I have no interest in playing the bank game. So I don't want to fucking loan. I don't want to deal with a title. Like I just believe there's so many. It's like when you buy a car, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, here's your um, tax title doc fees. What yeah. are what are doc fees, dude? <laughs> I don't know. What is you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, five hundred bucks for what? Susie or Jimmy to file uh, some paperwork right. for you? That's a scam, dude. <laughs> totally. I could charge doc fees here. It's a joke. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of those things. So hopefully, technology does. Yeah, so a lot of smart people, like in my industry, think the next ten years uh, they call it the industri- the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, and and the whole process or the thought process behind that is that technology, um, you know, just keeps things more efficient or gets things more efficient, and so we're able to produce things faster and and more competitively, and and if if you believe that, then you know, right now is the time to be, if you do have cash, to be looking at investing because over the next 10 years, if if this industrial technology revolution that I just said happens, you know, the Dow Jones will be a lot higher, you know, than where it is now. Well, yeah, that's my thesis for basically all the stuff that we do. It's why, like, and I'll mention the crypto stuff. It's why I put some money into it because I'm like, well, if these people, and again, whether I think it's stupid or weird or whatever or not that's irrelevant my my opinion of it doesn't dictate the success of it like i don't drink um coca-cola right i mean i'll have a diet coke once in a while but i'm like i don't drink coca-cola daily i never eat a mcdonald's yet i believe they're going to be around so my individual opinion it's the same way i feel about technology like it's a one-way street we're not going backwards and we're going to keep digitizing shit and I also feel like that's why we created an app because even if I think the way that we delivered it before was better, this is where people live. Yeah. Everybody lives there. So you kind of have to, you got to get on the train or you're like a dinosaur. Yeah. Essentially. And con- congratulations on that. Like when I first, um, well, I, you know, I came back to see you and start my kind of workout routine. Cause you were here forever ago. Yeah. Because Heather asked two, me. 2000, I think when you started at the other place. Oh, yeah, because Heather goes, how long has Dimitri been around? I'm like, well, I'm like, I don't know the exact years. I go, but he was from the Dave and Ben era. Yeah, yeah. Dave and Ben. Way back. So, and so my wife. Who well, also were advisors for Edward Jones and Charles Schwab. Yeah. <laughs> Great guys, if you don't know. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> um, yeah, like I remember my wife seeing like a Groupon. You were just starting off. Oh, Remember yeah. Remember when Groupon was a big deal? We crushed it. Well, yeah. I had one like real big, man, the, the world is so different. Yeah, I had one. I remember, this is how old I am. Uh, the lady from Groupon actually came to our office and sat in like, and living social. 
and presented us with like whatever the deal was where it's like, hey, we're going to pay you four cents, but we're going to get you all these leads. And that really, with a couple other things, got us a good chunk of people to just find out who we were. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. She, she, I don't, I know it was a sign. She's like, Hey, you're, you're looking a little out of shape. So you better start going to Jeremy Scott. <laughs> that just really showed to you. <laughs> yeah. That's, she, I think for my birthday or something, she bought it for me actually, the group. <laughs> now, if you're a, a female, you can probably get away with it. If you're a dude, <laughs> don't do that. No, bro. If I did that, I'd oh, dude, I'd you'd be fuck, dead. If I came home like, Hey Heather, here's, <laughs> she'd be like, get the fuck out. Yeah. It'd be the worst dude. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but you know, so when I when I was looking at your app, you know, I didn't think I needed it. Um, but then I I had planned that trip to San Diego, for, oh, yeah. and I was you know fortunate enough to take my family um, for a month and live in San Diego this summer. And it's the best, by the way. It was the best, you yeah. know. But that app is amazing. Like I was able to continue, you know, not not miss a beat. You know, you know, did I do as well as maybe as I would have if I, maybe not, I don't know, but I, I, I felt like I was still in shape, you know, so, you know, congratulations. I think your app is, is pretty awesome. I haven't looked at other apps, but I just know that like your app. Well, ours is know, the best for sure. Yeah, yeah um, I would say so. No, yeah, we'll put yeah. a lot of time into it. Well, yeah. And again, that's where people, that's where they live and yeah. that's how we can deliver it. So it, there is these innovations that. I'll continue to invest in because it's just whether I get worn down by looking at these fucking screens all day. Yeah. I think the average person now spends like 10 or 11 hours on the screen a day. Yeah. I think because they factor in like your work computer, your TV and your phone, which is nuts, man. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Like I feel, I don't want to get off topic, but like even today, like I'm at home, I walk my dog, I do some other shit, but I'm basically on the computer for like four hours before I come in here. And I always feel like shitty. Not like like physically ill, but I don't feel the same. Even though like coming here coaching people like for six, seven hours in a row is fucking exhausted too. But it's just a there's a different energy when you're with humans as opposed to just a screen. Oh yeah. For me anyway. Yeah. It's, it's No, just, I, for me too. I'd much rather come here than go on the app, but having the app when well, you know, for, like next week I'm traveling, I'm oh, gonna yeah. use the app because I'm traveling. But well, like what you do for work too, you digitally can connect to people, talk to them, work with them, even if they live in San Diego or they live in Orange County, right? And you can be here, but then you can meet face to face. Yeah. So yeah. when you like, do you have a an investment philosophy like for your own money, and is it the same? You know, kind of what you do for what your clients do, barring you have similar risk tolerances. Yeah. So yeah, my process is the same for my own money that I, you know, imp, you know, use or implement for all my clients' money. And so it starts off, um, you know, like I said, first off, block out the noise, you know, can't, you can't get from point A to point B if you are worrying about every step you take. But you, you, know? you check the markets every day. I check them every day. Yeah. But it's your I job. Mean, not, yeah. That's I what do. you do. I do. I do most days, but yeah. usually it's later in the day. Yeah. Like I'm not, if I see it and it's cause like, what was it during the pandemic? We were at like 34. Yeah. And then it went down to 20, 27, 28. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I remember because my advisor came to my house and like brought me like a little bag of like bullshit gifts or something. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> um, which is fine. But he just like left it on the front door. Cause he's like, Oh, I don't want to get COVID. And like, you know, when we were being real fucking weird. Yeah. And, uh, I just remember Heather, I'm like, man, this is a huge drop. 
like instantly. But I just then went back to doing my own work. So I'm like, what does it matter to me? Yeah. But you check it every day. Yeah. 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 And and with all that trillions of dollars, you know, it was the fastest recovery too in history. So oh, yeah. it was the biggest drop, but the fastest recovery. So again, if 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 you got nervous about things, you probably sold it on the day that before it went back up, you know, cause you, if you get that, if that noise, you know, and it was, you know, there, I'm not saying it's easy. You know, I actually had a meeting in my office, um, about a week and a half ago. So every, every Tuesday we have a meeting in our office with just the financial advisors. And it was the most pessimist if there was a gun on the table i think we'd all be dead right now yeah. because they were so pessimistic and these are all financial advisors that i'm telling you like because they just see the market sucking for a good amount for of time. nine months now dude we've been like yeah. eating shit <laughs> well because i'll get the because i'm on a couple emails with like my advisor and some other people we've had on the podcast here and i like to just see different opinions and I can tell when things are going bad because the way the emails are worded and sometimes it's to calm people down and I usually can see it to free people out. Cause again, like when I go in and Hey Jeremy, your investments this year are down 22%. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm me. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit, but where my mom is obviously older and she'd be like, yeah, we've been putting all this money in, um, you know, investing, they do most, theirs is mostly, they're the inverse of us. And I don't think she'll care. Like they have rental properties. So yeah. they're probably going to be, and I told them, never sell them. Like, you can be landlords forever. It's fine. We can help you. I don't give a shit. You'll crush it that way. And now they're, they've invested money in the market before, but now they're doing even more. Because she's like, I think she's like 60. Dave is like earlier 50s. And she's like, yeah, but it keeps going down. And I'm like, it is what it is, bro. Yeah. It's this this window of time. Yeah, it's this window of time. Like, so at, uh, I think we were going to talk about it at some point, but, um, you know, diversification or asset allocation. Yeah. It, it, just like in 2008, it, it hasn't worked this year. Um, but that's going to change. Like it can't, the, one of two things are going to happen either. Um, you know, if you have bonds or fixed income, your safe investments that are also down 20% year to date, they're not going to continue down 20% because now you're starting to get more interest. So you're going to start making more money. And so those bonds, so let me explain that for a second. So if, if, if a year ago I came to you and I said, Jeremy, I have this bond. It pays 2% and it it's priced. It's a thousand dollars to buy it. Okay. And Alec comes in and today, now we're a year later. Yeah. And I say, Alec, um, Alec, I have a bond that pays uh, 4% for that thousand dollars. And, but you say, you raise your hand and say, Alec, I want to sell my bond too. Alec's not going to buy your bond unless you discount it because he could buy mine for 4%. Why is he going to buy yours for 2%? Makes sense. So you're going to have to discount your bond to do that. And that's what's happening this year is all the bond prices have come down because interest rates have gone up. So you're going to buying it for cheaper. Yeah, you're buying it cheaper. But there's an attractiveness about it now. And so your bond that you bought at 2% is going to come due at some point. And it, it might be six months from now. It might be a year from now. But when it comes due, heck yeah, now you're going to be able to buy a bond that pays 4% instead of 2%. So you're going to be able to start cash flowing more money. And and just like people that have rental properties, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with if you're it depends on what your stage what stage of the game you are but if you're a mom that's retired or you know in a retirement area there's nothing wrong to go to your financial advisor and say can you turn on dividends and interest that gets paid to me so now now you don't have to freak out that the value is going down because you could say okay now i'm getting paid and i could wait this out because yeah my expenses are higher because of inflation but now i'm getting a few hundred dollars every month from or thousands of dollars from my dividends and interest and i'm just like a landlord i own coca-cola and mcdonald's but they're paying me every quarter you know so much money and so so you could you know it depends on where you're at in your stage but you could also look at stocks and bonds as a pool of rental properties that pay interest pay you income yeah i mean for me to have stuff in a couple buckets that's it would it makes me sleep at night the best and at the end of the day like most of the things i do is like what's going to make me the happiest and make my life i don't want to say the easiest but have the most freedom and yeah. like control. And it's like, well, if the market eats shit, it's fine. I still have these these properties that I own and I don't own anything on them. And I'm like, that these are multiple buckets and I have a business that creates revenue and these other sources. I'm like, so I feel good about that way as opposed to having just, if I owned only real estate and if I had only stuff in the market, that's me though. Because yep. if it's only, and again, if it's only real estate, some people love that. And, but if I, if I don't have people paying me rent or something goes wrong and I got, you know, eight different problems, I go, okay, well, if this bucket's going up, well, this one's going down, at least I don't feel like, you know, my hair's on fire yep. essentially. But going back to fitness, it's the calories in calories out, right? Like if you're, if this market's kind of crappy, like it is, and you get X amount of money or X amount of calories, you know, you, you can't, you can't go over that amount right live within your means budget do what you need to do you know same thing with calories like you tell me all the time don't, you yeah. know if you, you want to lose weight it's, it's a deficit know. if you want to gain weight it's a surplus yeah money is the same except people for some reason do you like when you talk to people well, first of all inflation one it hurts the poorest people and people who are on fixed incomes because they don't have the ability to produce more money right and then the people who are already eating shit are just getting crushed even more. Yeah. It affects the richest people the least amount. Yeah. Rich people. It's yeah, more like awesome. a luxury. Right. Hey, we're not going to stay at this hotel because it's 1500 bucks a night as opposed to 1100 bucks a night. Right. But everybody else, it just crushes. Yeah. So the pain, you know, the what the Fed's trying to do right now, the pain that they're trying to inflict on all of us right now is is going to help the majority of people like you said like the middle class and the poor lower class people you know they're getting crushed right now and if it continues like if i built a financial plan for you and said um inflation's at three percent and you do xyz you're going to be successful okay but if i build a financial plan that says inflation's at eight percent or 10 or 15. You're not successful. No. Everyone's going to, you know, the wealth, you know, a lot of the wealthier people are going to run out of money at some point because they can't keep up with that rate, that calorie in. The calories are too much. Yeah. Because even know? if you're, you have money, but you're older, you're not producing more income. Yeah. And your plan that you had now doesn't work on this model. Right. Essentially. Yeah. And that's what I say this is not good for anyone when people come in and say, oh, my house is now worth 
$2 million. I'm like, if someone's willing to pay that, I guess it's worth that, but that's not good for any of us. Like, and I always will go back. Like when I first like got into like buying my homes and these things, $200,000 difference could change your station. That's a different life. So if you're buying a house for 400 K or 600 K, it's two different homes, two different lot sizes. Everything is different Yeah. in this world. 1.6 to 1.8. It's the same fucking place. Yeah. There's no difference. No. Nothing. 300K is not that much different. 400K is not. Like, but in saying that, it sounds crazy to come out of my mouth. And depends, obviously, like where you live. And I'm talking like if it's Scottsdale. Yeah. Or some of these, the nicer places. Orange County, which I was just at last weekend. And then we have a wedding in Coronado. Yeah. Like half a million bucks, dude, doesn't move you anywhere. Yeah. It yeah. takes you from a $2 million house to a $2.5 million house and it sucks. Yeah. Because the price is even there skyrocket yeah they're insane so the lower it is it helps everybody in my opinion yeah except it's just gotten so out of control yeah and that's my concern is where like the everything is you always almost have like this i don't know what they consider hyperinflation but it feels like you're at this like yeah we're getting we're probably not far which is nuts yeah. man. and so, then you know there's trends that happen when you have this hyperinflation you like social security gets bumped up for everyone. Well, it's, they can't go next year and say, okay, well, inflation's back to three. We're going to take away your social security. What do you mean? Like they bump it up. So in social security uh, has an inflation protection built into it. So if you're on social security now, next year, it's going to go up because inflation's up. Okay. No shit. Yeah. So that shit will be gone for me. Yeah. You think so? <laughs> I don't you think. Know. 20 years well I, we print money like yeah i guess you could just so fuck print more it's money so, it's, it's such a bullshit <laughs> yeah. thing but anyways yeah who knows you know i didn't know that i know because my mom asked me about it she's like hey if i now because she's 60 what is she 62 yeah she goes if i could take it today or if i wait i can get more i'm like just fucking take it now dude it's a tough that's a very tough decision i'm a lump sum lottery guy I want the three hundred million today. Yeah. I don't want the five hundred million over the next ten but, years. But your mom's social security will increase eight percent a year until she's seventy by waiting. But what if you just like were dead at sixty eight? That's that's the question. <laughs> and how like how much though? It depends on how much you made, right? Like over the course of your life. Like does it go from like, hey, I get two grand a month to twenty two hundred bucks a Once month? Once you get to that age, you, it's eight percent a year for, for every year you wait. So, you know, so yeah, if, if you're not maybe the healthiest person and you're 62, you might want to start taking it. Right. I just but, want the money. Yeah. I want it all. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. There, I mean, it's, I would it, take it today. If there's I could. a, there's a break even period. So if your mom takes it now at 62, most likely, you know, I've, I've seen enough of them. Like if she lives past 74 years old, then it might not have been the right decision because. Cause what is the, when's the earliest you pull it? 62 is it what it is that's yeah. why she asked me yeah that's why she asked you yeah because yeah. i have no yeah. clue i'm like I don't yeah know. 62 you could start taking it right yeah um where your mom has to be a little careful and you know this so what i do is important i think but it also you want you want a team around you i think is the best thing like you want your cpa but how many people do you think ask their first of all 35 percent of people have advisors which is fucking crazy you at least have people would say, hey, I'm going to get married. I'm going to do these things. Do you think most people with advisors ask them those things? They should. 
You, you would know. hope so, right? Yeah, I'd hope so. I feel like people don't, though, because I don't think they want the answer. Yeah, so... I could be wrong. My, well, also, my industry's changed a lot, right? So, like, 20 years ago, uh, the normal was you came, you came to me to buy a stock, and that's all I did, right? Yeah. You want to buy Coca-Cola? Great. I'm going to charge you a commission. You're going to buy Coca-Cola. You weren't, really, you weren't really planning anything. I wasn't planning nothing, right? Yeah. So, But... Thankfully, I think, you know, it's changed now. Buying a Coca-Cola is a commodity. You don't need me. You know, I'm not the person. If I can you just want to come buy I can do that shit on E-Trade. Yeah, you don't need yeah. me, right. Or what's that, Robinhood? Yeah, Robinhood. I can go on Robinhood all day. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to Coinbase? pay me to buy Co- Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. And so, so. But I would, though. Planning. Thanks. But that's, <laughs> but that's what I do do, though. I'm yeah. like, hey, man, if I think, I remember when Under Armour, uh, like, dumped a bunch of money and bought my fitness pal. I'm like, let's just let's roll, bro, because I'm like, I I think these are this is something that we're going to we, we do use. I typically buy things that like I believe in. Yeah, not always. Um, <laughs> just because I mean, because fuck, just like if you know, look at the a uh, Blackstone stuff. Yeah, we own that shit. Yeah, what? Why not? Yeah, you should. You know, or like more, Raytheon. Why not, dude? Yeah, let's buy let's buy everything. Yeah, no, the, the, exactly. Like you know, but having a you know someone that's helping you with the plan, I think. It's more where the industry's going, you know, because like I said, if if you knew you could, if you wanted to buy all those things because you believe in them, you could do that without me, right? Yeah. Um, but having a team around someone, so you you know, if you have a lot of money, you want to have the smartest like estate planning attorney that could, uh, you know, put together these. So when I die, str- yeah, before, he- yeah, Heather can spend all my money. Well, even before you die, like yeah, you know, it is. I mean, before yeah. Like you have a at least like a living will set up or a trust. Trust. So you know you know where your where your money's going when you're when you do die. But also, um, you know, are there things you could do now? There's strategies you could do now um, that could make your legacy last forever. You know, and you could implement certain strategies. So having a team, it takes you know your estate planning attorney, your CPA, your financial advisor all working uh, for you and, and coming up with the best plans all the time and using these different stra- strategies, you know. So so game planning, um, you know, is super important. But where I was going with that is, you know, Social Security is a big decision. Medicare is a, dis- you know, de- there's all of these decisions you have to make. Well, and like, because I've been on calls too before, like when I remember when we bought this building we're sitting in and it was my financial advisor, my CPA, and the attorney drawing it up all at the same time. And they're saying things that sound like a Ponzi scheme to me. <laughs> but like, but that's, that's how the world is, though. Like, yeah. Because I didn't know before. I was, again, it's just like when I first moved here, like I come from a place where people aren't, it's not as affluent, if that makes sense. Uh, and Scottsdale, it's a, it's a very, you know, rich place. It, yeah. just, it just is. Yeah. And I remember I always thought rich people owned uh, all their shit. I always thought, like, if you were rich, like, you just bought a $3 million house and you just paid cash for it. And I thought, if you had 10 cars, you pay. That is not the case. This is the world is fake, everybody, just so you know. <laughs> and I remember being on the phone with them when we bought this. And he goes, you're going to create a business that's essentially like a holding company that's going to own the place. And you're going to rent from yourself. And they're walking me through, like, a pass-through business. And I go, this sounds like a scam, dude. <laughs> He's like, no, this is how it works. He goes, for liability purposes, for tax purposes, they kind of walk you through everything. And I go, okay. Yep. Now I get how these dudes who really crush it. Yeah. Like, I can see how they, I mean, and it's all legal. 
It's it's what you're oh, totally. you you need to do it to cover your ass for one, but two, there's so much economical benefit to doing that. But right. I but if, again, if I don't have an advisor, if I don't have a CPA and we don't have an attorney, I go, I wouldn't known that. Right. I would just bought this as Jeremy dipshit, yeah. and I'd be here just getting screwed every year instead of making ridiculous amount of money doing it that way and saving myself from like keeping my you know nose open to God knows what. Yeah. So I know the team thing, and and also. On that same note, for when when I go in, mine was always retirement is not an age, it's a number. And I'm not saying like I would quit. Like there's a lot of things I love about, I'm kind of already retired anyway, because I would do most, most of this shit for free um, <laughs> if Heather wanted to live like minimalist. But sadly, that's not our life. <laughs> so when him, when I, when we talk, I'm always like, hey, if I want to say punt everything and, and I wouldn't because there's always going to be revenue streams that there's assets that I, uh, we own that I don't want to get rid of probably yeah. unless someone comes to say, hey, we're going to bulldoze this whole block. Here's 15 million bucks. I'm like, well, fuck it. I probably got to say, yeah, but short of that, like I want to be here or at least own it. And who knows? So if I say, hey, by 50, what does it look like? And if Heather says she doesn't want to do shit at 55, what does that look like? And that's how we map it out. Yep. So what's my, I guess, projected finish? If I do this or this, how much money do I have to invest and what money do I have to have coming in to make that happen? Yeah. So there's something called Monte Carlo simulation. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can model a lot of oh, these yeah. things. Oh, yeah. We watch it on the screens. Yeah. I go in and go through the whole thing. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So like you're, it'll be, what is the, what is the, it'll say like, I don't know, it's like magic eight ball. Like you shake it like odds are really good. It's basically that. Like you're. Yeah. It runs at like thousand trials or more. And so if, yeah, if everything, if you have the magic luck, you know, you're going to have multi millions of dollars. Yeah. Cause if they, if they run it on the, the simulation essentially, and if it's this percentage rate over time and you only took again, cause it was like the rule, like 4%, right? Yeah. Like if you're taking 4% draws off your money and your yep. money was making 6%, we'll say you would always have more money. Well, essentially, you, you you might not have more. You might have the same because of taxes and inflation. Yeah. But by the but time you die, if you if you, you retire with okay. eight million, yep. you die with eight million. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, but you know, well, if you're taking, I'd say, because what do you tell people? Like when when I'm saying this, you guys, that's kind of how I learned it. But I'm again, I teach jumping jacks for a living. Like you could pull four percent off your money historically, and like not yeah. go broke. Not go. Yeah, you should be able, you should be fine. You know, taking four percent now. If you said, theoretically, if you said your goal is to leave a specific legacy to your children or charity. No, you, I'm gonna go on zero, dude. Yeah, I'm, exactly. gonna, I'm gonna spend my last dollar. Fuck yeah. everybody else. I made the money. Yes, yes, yeah. That, so <laughs> I have had people tell me that's their goal. No too. shit. Yeah, for that's sure. That's actually first of all, that's a dick move, but it's also awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, well, you made the money, dude. Yeah, your exactly. kids. You don't owe your kids anything. Yeah, they can make their own money. God, that's brutal, dude. Yeah, but if if you had a specific goal of you know I want my children to each have two million dollars when I die. Yeah. Then you might want to take two or three percent out of the portfolio, you know, you know, again, going back to the modeling. So I talked about Monte Carlo because, uh, you know, Las Vegas, you know, that's what they do. Monte Carlo is all of the simulations that they use, you know, on gambling. And that's, you know, when they come up with a game, obviously they want mo 60% or more of those simulations where they make the money. And that's why they have the games that they use. Dude, and like yeah. you think about that, not just like in the Vegas, the casinos, but the bookies, dude, they're so good, man. Yeah. 
Like, why I'm, are they good? They're so close all the time. It's like it trips me out. Yeah, yeah. Like they know they're using you know these statistical models, and that's that's where that's where I think it applies to finances. You use these statistical models to plan out what you're trying to accomplish. You block out the noise. You, you've already kind of told me, okay, I'll lose my shit if this happens. So don't don't be building a model that's going to create that happen, you know, or make that happen. And so you're going to be fine. That's, and that's the thing. But, you know, going back to your business real quick, let's say you want to keep this building, but you wanted to sell your business. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what the market is, but $0. Yeah. 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 Who, you know, cause it's, it's a personalized business. But if there were, if you had a business that was marketable, you know, going back to the advisor thing, you'd probably want to go seek out some type of business broker with your financial advisor oh, for sure. model things, you know, cause maybe, maybe you do X, Y, and Z over the next three years and you've increased the value of your business sale by five times or 10 times. Yeah. Cause yeah. when, when we, when I talk, I'm like, Hey, if I don't run a gym anymore, but we just rent it out, what would the rent be? Yeah. If it's is it seven grand a month, is it eight grand a month? If we own the place outright, what's the profit, give or take, you know, normal daily expenses, taxes, insurance, all those types of things. Yeah. That's what I plug in. So to me, that's where I'm like, okay, here's the buckets I'd have, you know, paying me. My stuff can do, you know, six, seven, eight percent over here. That'd be great. This will bring me in eight thousand dollars a month here, and we have these other revenue streams. Yep. You're diversified. Yeah. And I but again, mm -hmm. I talk that through with my partner. And our people as well. Yeah. So we're on the same page. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think a lot of people, one, have those conversations. And two, don't, first of all, people don't budget their money for shit. Yeah. And you have to set this money aside if this is really something you want to do. Yeah. I, I wrote that, you know, track everything. You, you yell at me all the time, you know, go to my fitness pal and put in my calories. Yeah. You know, and it, so it's the same thing if you're not tracking what your expenses are and where the money's going and is, is it going, you know, you'd be... I know I'm shocked, you know, sometimes when I see the things that my money goes to. Right. But um Well, if it was yeah. just me, yeah. well, we'd be great. <laughs> Heather is Heather is the problem. Yeah. Uh but yeah. no, we again we like she makes money, I make money, we make money together. Yeah. I just don't care about as many things because I'm a simple fucking gorilla. But if you don't give your dollars an assignment, you will overspend them. Yeah. It's the way I think about you wander into being overweight. But, and you don't do it in a day, though. That's, I guess, the conversation. Like, you don't gain most people 50 pounds in a month. No. It's half a pound. It's one pound. And you do that for two years, and there's 20 pounds there you don't want. It's the same way with money. Most of you didn't go out and buy a boat for 50 grand and, like, you know, finance the whole thing. You got a purse here. You got three dinners here. You, you know, went out for drinks and then you bought some shoes and then maybe your car payment and all those things start to stack up. And I just don't think people do a basic P&L sheet on their life. Right. And so what do you tell, what do you, do you say that to people? Like, Hey, you guys need to, you know, budget your money or at least, or I guess, how do you do it at your house? Like, how does it work? Like, do you guys sit down and actually do a budget? Do you talk about it? Do you just control it? And she's kind of on the same team as you. Uh, in my house, I think... Because you're the dude. Yeah, but so we actually, my wife and I keep a lot of it separate. You know, we just carve out like, like I, I learned, you know, sometimes there's things to fight about and things not, you know, you kind of pick your battles. I'm married. I'm yeah, familiar. Yeah, I know yeah. you know. So in in my household, we just took, you know, I make so much, you make so much. And, and we just said, okay, 
you know, these are my, my bills that I'm responsible for. And then these are her bills that she's responsible for. Right. And then I just harp on her, you know, make sure you're putting money in your 401k, make sure you're putting money in, um, if you have this ESPP plan, make sure you're doing all these, all of these things. I'm doing these things on my side too. So, so for us, it's separate because, um, you know, we have these budgets and then, you know, she'll go to the grocery store, um, and buy the food for the week. Um, so I'll go with her and, but it's her credit card that comes out or debit card comes out when she, when she keeps like separate accounts and everything. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. And then it seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah. But then if we go out to dinner, then, then it's on me. Right. So I'm paying for it, you know, and then at the end of the day, it's all the same. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's the same, you know, but we're not fighting about it, you know, and that, that's the thing. Like, but you don't want her to say, I can't, I can't, um, go do whatever. Yeah. Like, I just don't want that. So, so it works for us. Right. But if, if someone, you, you set your stuff up where you're like, okay, here's our, our normal fixed expenses are this and we're going to invest this and then whatever's left over, do whatever the fuck you want. Unless you have a shared common goal for something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't think people do that though. Yeah. I just think they say, Hey, we make whatever. And this month we're going to spend who knows what. Yeah. And, and hope for the best and hope for the best. Right. And it doesn't work out. No, (laughs) ever. No. Yeah. Cause the unexpected things, you know, because like, do you, you, do you set up and I'm sure she does too, like a reoccurring, like payments that just go to, if your stuff, I mean, if she is getting a, if you're W2 people, or if it's just your money, do you have it just set on like auto draft? Hey, I'm going to put this much into my IRA or 401k or SEP every month. Is that how you guys do it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think and so. You just dollar cost average. Every dollar month. cost average. You don't, you know, it's, it's automated. Cause you know, I, that's what I love about coming here is I don't have to think, am I, am I going to do squats today? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I don't have to like, you know, that, and that's where I, I had previously struggled, you know, when I was trying to, during COVID, trying to work out at home, I'm like, shit, I got weights here, but what do I want to do today? You know, what can I, I talk myself I, into doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, yeah. you know, but when I come here, it's all mapped out for me. So same thing with auto dra- draft, you know, if you set it up and don't think about it, you know, put it away. Um, but then have people that can help you, you know, you, everyone that works for a company, uh, that has a 401k has a financial advisor there that they could talk to through their 401k and get it, get, you know, some type of help with their benefit, you know, benefits in the corporate world are huge. If you're, and if you're not taking advantage of them, you're, you're hurting yourself. And I'll, I'll talk about that and I'll jump in here and with the 401k stuff, because I have like the fidelity numbers. And the average American like retirement savings, and these are Fidelity is the biggest, I believe. Had they have the most people under management, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They're like, they're the fucking Walt Disney, right? right. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So when when they pull the numbers here, and this is average like four hundred one k savings. If you're in your twenties, it's like sixteen k. Thirties, it's like forty five k. Forties, it's like sixty three k. If you're in your fifties, you have one hundred seventeen thousand, and if you're in your sixties, it's like one hundred seventy two thousand dollars. Now. If you're in your 60s and all the money you have saved is $172,000 and mm-hmm. you have no rental properties and you have no other income streams, when are you retiring? When you're 120? Yeah. You asked about 4%. So take 
let's round it up and say they have 200,000. 200K. This take, is so depressing. Yeah, take 4% out every of 200K. So that's $8,000 a year. So what's that, like 600 and some bucks a month, yeah. give or take? Yeah. Is that maybe 700? Yeah. Now they do maybe get some Social Security because they are in their 60s. But, but, but what, dude, what is $700 a month by you now? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So when you look at that, I mean, it's, that's rough, man. Because for people who are listening, the 401k was not meant to be the retirement vehicle that it is today because we used to be dead. Yeah. Like we would die. Like we would, we'd be dead. And then, you know, companies, you know, our, our parents, um, our grandparents, they had pensions too. And talk about that for a second, because yeah. I remember my, my grandpa, when he was alive, he was uh, worked for the fire department forever. And he was a fire captain and my uncle, uh, police officer. Now my uncle's still alive. He's retired. I think he did like 20 some years. Yeah. But he's still younger than my mom. He's been fucking balling this whole time. Yeah. Like he might go like pick up a side security job just to bullshit because he's bored, but he's getting paid every day. Yeah. Until he's dead. Yeah. My grandpa, same thing. He would say, make my grandpa would harp on benefits always. And then I fucking go do this job with zero benefits, but <laughs> I make way more money than he ever did. So I won. Yeah. But he would always talk about that. Like, Hey, I got this pension and I think he was making more retired than he ever made working. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. But that shit's dead now. It's dead because, you know, if, unless you're, are unless you're a cop. Right. But even that, like some of those pension funds are running out of money. Yeah. Which is fu- really it's fucked scary. up. Scary. Yeah. yeah. But most normal jobs, no. Yeah. It's not normal anymore. So they created the 401k kind of to take the burden off of the employer and pass that burden on to the employee. Seems great. Yeah. It seems, makes sense, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, now it's our, our, our thing we have to worry about or, or figure out. And so, you know, that's why I think financial planning makes so much sense in this environment, because if you're not, if you're not putting a roadmap together, if you're not figuring these things out, you're not, you're not going to get where you're supposed to be. And when you hear those stats, like, Hey, somebody's in their forties and they got 60,000 bucks. Like how frightening is that? for that person if they don't get their shit together real quick. Like what, I mean, they'll be working forever essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, that's when you see that on the financial plan. So yeah. someone have, com- like, say someone comes to you, which, okay. What do you want to like? What's the minimum? Do you want to talk your minimums? You're, you're different though. Obviously. Yeah. Like when you first started, you would take everybody. Right. Like yeah. when you're 23 at Morgan Stanley, you're like anybody, all my buddies who got 10,000 bucks, I'll take you. Yeah. Right, you just want business. Yeah, yeah. and now <laughs> your your stuff is different. But let's say you you were still in the same boat, and you're gonna take someone who comes to you. He's 43, and he makes 88 thousand bucks a year, and he's got 63 thousand dollars in his current 401k. Yeah, you know, I I'd harp on. It's behind the eight ball. Yeah, you're behind. You need to you know put maybe 15 percent away, or you know we we would model it, and you know I think you talked about retirement's more of a number. You know, and yeah. and so saving for retirement is the same thing. So if I said to you, I'm forty. If someone came to me and said I'm forty three, I want to retire when I'm sixty, so I have seventeen years to retire, and I need this much money. It's just math. You know, okay, put away thirty thousand dollars a year. Okay, it, you make eighty eight. How are you going to put away thirty thousand dollars a year? You might not, you know, be able to. You not be able to. So 
hey, realistic expectations. You're probably not going to retire at 60, but, you know, put away as much as you can. Don't buy that Bronco that has a $20,000 um, surplus, know, on, surplus it. on it. Make, yeah. make good choices. And, you know, you, you hopefully you get some raises along the way. Every time you get a raise, increase how much you're saving. You know, do these things, um, you know, because it's just like going to the gym. Like if you're not going to see you're not going to see results the first month or the second month or the third month, you're going to see them years down the road. And you got to, you know, you got to start somewhere, but you know, that's, that's the best advice I could give you. And if, if you don't really want it, you're not going to do it. Well, because it's the, it's the ultimate delayed gratification. It is the, and again, I'm probably, and this is not to say I'm amazing. I'm the, one of the most patient motherfuckers like that's ever lived because I suck at everything. And I have sucked at everything for so long until I got like really good or understood it. So it's just built into my DNA. If you suck at stuff, you got to be patient. Otherwise, you'll never make it. <laughs> so I'm super patient with things. But man, even for me, I'm like, that is so... And again, I say that, but I'm also going to be 40 and I still feel like I'm 17. So it does come faster than you think. But it is such a long time to delay it. And then it's like, well, how much is too... How much is saving too much. Like I also have to like enjoy my life and live it. The problem is I feel most people enjoy their shit way too much and fuck around way too much. And then they find themselves behind. Yeah. And I, and I feel that would be a terrible place to be when you're, you feel like you're playing catch up and I'm sure you see that with people, but is there a, like a percentage you just a blanket one you advise people to put in ever? Like, I think, like, what does Dave Ramsey say? 15% of your income? I think, yeah, 15. Um, well, I'm going to say at minimum you're doing what they're matching. You know, some some companies. So talk about, so yeah, real let's quick. let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah just because for people who are listening, if you, again, even if you think, and this is my opinion here, if you want to invest in alternative things, uh, real estate, if you you want to buy businesses, if you're into crypto shit, whatever, it's not for me to judge and tell you what to do. But if you work for a company and they're giving you five percent for free, you got to do the five percent, bro. Yeah, please do the five percent because it's just free money. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but people don't do that. Yeah, it's it's. I wonder what the statistic is on that. That's probably pretty low. But on not taking the match. Yeah, I mean, it's, what's the most you ever heard a company do? Uh, I'd say nine percent. So I think Southwest Airlines does like that's 9%. pretty gang. That's pretty yeah. gangster actually. Yeah. So because that's like you doing eighteen percent of your income just by doing nine. Yeah. That's pretty sweet, man. Like yeah, that would that be is pretty sweet. Like I know my wife's is five uh, percent. Yeah. Dollar for dollar, so it's already ten percent off the top. So if you're a person you make you know two hundred k, like bro. Yeah. You're getting twenty grand a year. Yeah. Like it's pretty sick. Yeah, and, and so there's. The min, I'd say the most common is 3%, and there's a reason for that. So companies, uh, if you're not giving 3%, then you a company has to always do this. Uh, it's called annual testing. And so the point of it is they don't want, the government doesn't want companies to, like the owners of a company, to put away all this money and the all of their employees not put anything away in, you know, in a 401k. Yeah. So they say, okay, well, if you give 3%, then you don't, you know, sometimes you're not subjected to that testing. And so then the rules kind of, you know, it's their fault if they're not matching their own money. Right. 
because you're giving it to them. That makes sense. Yeah. So there's rules around all that that make make what it is, you know, that. But you would tell everybody, obviously, do the match. Yeah, definitely match. But you know, I'd say what's like the if you're not putting eight uh, percent total away, even you know. So if you're getting three yeah. percent match, and you're not doing five percent to for a total of eight percent, you're slipping every year. You know, you're you're probably already behind the eight ball. You know, so uh, for most people, I mean, is fifteen like a good roundabout? Yeah. You know, at at least do 10, 12, 15. Like you know, what's, you, what's way too high? If someone's like, hey, I'm going to put 30% away. Is that crazy? No. I mean, depends if they're, on what the, if they're catch, trying to catch up, they might need to do 30%. For sure. You know? You know, so it, it's just a personal thing. What can, you know, so one thing you don't want to do, uh, you don't want to put 30% away and then uh, put everything on credit cards and pay 30% interest. Oh yeah, don't be a dipshit. Yeah, don't yeah. be dumb, you know. So, so put away what you think you could really put away and not mess up. Because we do like for us, and this is just our stuff. Like we'll do. Um, Heather has a corporate, so it's a Roth four hundred one k, which is yep. money. And then I just have a SEP set up here because I don't qualify for anything else anymore. Yep. And then we have like a simple account that's just like a joint that we do that's outside of retirement where we just buy everything. And that's obviously like, and again, I don't, it just keeps reinvesting over and over and over. I haven't pulled any money from it at all. But essentially what I did was like, we paid our house off and I'm like, let me take that same equivalent in money and just put that in over and over and over. So if I take it out, it's at this point, like long-term capital gains, what they would tax me on is kind of like income. Yeah. But that works for me. Cause I, it, to me, I looked at it, that as like a gap fund. If I was like, Hey, I want to start taking money when I'm 50. This is where it's coming from. You can, from. yeah. 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 Because I didn't want to, I'm not paying a penalty ever. Yeah. I'm not dealing with any of that bullshit. So. Yeah. Uh, is there a difference for these guys, like just the vehicles? And again, most people probably know if you have like a 401k at work, but the difference between like a traditional and a Roth, just for the novice person listening. Yeah. So traditional, uh, the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA is one, use, a Roth IRA is after tax money. So. You have $1,000 in your checking account. You put it in a Roth IRA. It's $1,000, right? A traditional IRA, if you put in $1,000, and if you qual- it depends on how much money you make, but if you did qualify, you would get a tax deduction. So at the end of the year, maybe you're getting 200 bucks back or 300 bucks back. So it only felt like you put seven, or it was only $700 you put away. So you get the benefit now, you know, in, in this year. But when you retire... Yeah, that traditional IRA, they're going to take it from you. You're going to take, yeah, they want their tax money, so they're going to take it from you. Whereas a Roth IRA, it's it comes out tax free. So, so the the longer you the longer you have the the better because of compounding interest. And Just for people who don't know shit, your money grows on top of your money. And when he was saying earlier, we we're talking delay gratification. The first hundred thousand is the hardest. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. I think so, too. Because I felt like I was in that phase for 100 years <laughs> until I'm like, what? But first of all, I wasn't making any money either. So, you're, again, I'm, I'm, I'm 20. Even my first, like, job, um, like, doing my GA shit, they would do, I think, like, TA craft was like. The, oh, yeah. Like, so they would pump in, like, 3%. So, I'd match the 3%. Now, I'm making $4. But, again, I'm 20, my 24 at the time. Yeah. That's when I first, probably 23 or 24, when I first start pumping money into that stuff. But it does grow, for sure. 
but the first hundred is probably the most painful. Yeah, and definitely. Then, but what happens is it compounds over time, everybody. Yeah. So that money will double in theory, give or take every 10 years. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about that rule 72. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the if you're getting a 7.2% return. Which historically that is possible. Yeah, that's definitely possible. If you get a 7.2% return in 10 years, your money doubles. So if you're at 100000 and you can maintain a 7.2% return, you're going to have 200000 10 years from now. If, you, then, if you're at 200, four. then at 400. And, you know, so. Because what's the, it's the old story. If I gave you a million dollars today or a penny every day doubled for 30 days, compounding, the penny ends up being like some stupid, like a fucking hundred million or something. Yeah. It, but it only works because it goes 30 days. If it goes like 26 days, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so it the point is is that the longer you can let it sit there, the more that stuff's just gonna snowball. And the bigger that snowball is, the more it just compounds on itself. That's why I say the first hundred is tough. Because when you get to two, three, four hundred, now you can start seeing like, okay, my money's actually really jumping. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. And when so. you talk when you talk to people, if they have a choice, you tell them probably you're Roth to start. It all comes down to uh how much time they have, how much... 26-year-old kid. Yeah, 26-year-old, no-brainer, right? Yeah. Because you're probably in a lower tax bracket. 100%. But if you're 50 years old and you're making a $500,000 a year... Can't do a Roth anyway. Yeah, well, you uh, could do it in a Roth 401k, but you still might not want to because... Um, taxes. Because, the, the, yeah, you might get more of a benefit by... Because if you're in the 37% tax bracket... Yep you know, putting it in a traditional 401k might be a better benefit for you. So just like we were talking about social security, there's like a break even period based off of your personal situation. So it, it goes back to math, you know, just figure out, okay. Cause mine, when we do it, it's all, it's your traditional, essentially it's what your SEP is. So when I, like when we get a call at the end of the year and it's the only, pretty much the only call I ever get where I don't feel like when I see my CPA's number on my phone, just pure panic, bro. <laughs> like just anxiety runs through my body. Like I'm 14 getting ready to go to school again, you know, like fucking dreading getting on the bus. <laughs> like that's how I feel. Cause it's never good. He's never like, Hey man, I got a, a, a surprise. We're going to give you another 200 K. It's never that. It's always like, here's the money you owe. And whether I owe it to the, the IRS or I get to pay myself 25 years from now, that's what's going on. But either way, the money's leaving me. So, but my point is that if I, he goes, it's usually two numbers. One, you owe $60,000, but because you made too much money, right? You, your, your projections were too low. You crushed it. You did great. But if, if you give yourself 50,000, you only got to pay these guys 12,000. But if you don't pay yourself, you got to pay these guys 30,000. Yeah. And that's, and it's, so it's an offset. It is. And that's, and so yeah. I, I do get that. Yeah. You're offsetting it now. And then, you know, when you're, but old. if I had the choice, like I would just eat it now. So when I'm old, man, I got all the money. Cause how much cooler is that when you're 60? Hey man, you got 5 million bucks tax free. Yeah. But if you do the math, like if, if you took that same amount, put it in the calculator and you, every year you pay capital gains tax and in, interest and income tax, you know, and because the compounding is slowing down each year, yep. your SEP IRA is going to be huge compared to that. And so the, 
you know. Oh, it's a month. Yeah, it'd be yeah, crazy. Yeah, the the difference is crazy. And then when you look at your situation and you're saying, okay, I have this rental income, I have this, you know, you 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 could be in a situation where you never even touch your SEP IRA until you're forced to, which they call that like a required minimum distribution. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. that too. And then at that point, you know, you, if you have all these other sources of income, the required minimum distribution tends to go to charities to help offset um, your in, so you're not push being pushed into a different income bracket. So it's just the taxes are just the worst. Yeah, no one wants to pay taxes. And like, like everyone fears death and taxes. <laughs> and can you, and like think about that. Like I don't want to talk about taxes because I'll get all worked up. <laughs> but dude, like we have a death tax, dude. Yeah. What fucking sense does that make? No. Why? Yeah. Oh, you made too much money. Sorry, we need to take some of it. Why yeah. is it not up to me to give it to whoever I want the way I want to give it to them? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that's that's why I said like if if you are in a situation where you have some money, so you have money, you you need a team around you. So, you know, you do some estate planning now to not screw so, your kids and your family. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. avoid as much as you can avoid uh, estate tax because no one needs to do that. But if you're like a young dude, you'd say, if you can do a Roth. As, oh, yeah, yeah, Roth, yeah, all the way. And what's the, you tell someone, what's the earliest to start saving money? Now. As soon as you can. <laughs> as soon as you can, yeah. So my my 16-year-old boy, um, he works at uh, KTR, the trampoline place. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're going to arrange a deal, you know, once I kind of have a better idea of how much income he's going to be making. Um, you know, we're going to set up something for him, you know, Roth IRA. He's 16 years old, Bro. have him put money in there right now, you know? So <laughs> the one thing for the listeners is you have to have earned income. So you can't, it's, you, it's, you can match what you made, right? Right, right. So, okay. so I can't, if he you can't didn't have it. a job, you can't fit. I couldn't put money in there right now. But if you have a business and he worked for you, and made ten grand. You can. What is the Roth now? Sixty five hundred a year. Uh, so if you're over fifty, I think it's seven thousand, and then six thousand for everyone under fifty. Okay. So or it might be sixty five hundred. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I remember like when I first started doing. Because again, I'm old now. It was like five grand. Yeah. I think was the max. That was way because I would take out four hundred and like. When I started, it was two grand. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I didn't know what it was. I only had the traditional stuff until I started this. And back when I was making, you know, probably the first year of my business, I made 30000 bucks. He's like, you can do $5,000, dude. And yeah. it was just on auto draft for like 400 and some bucks a month. So I do still have a Roth sitting somewhere. Yep. Yeah. It's, I think it's actually on the screen when I pull it up. I just don't do it. It just sits there, which is cool. There is something called a backdoor Roth. Have you heard of that? I'm familiar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For people listening. If you yeah. make... Too much money because then, and that's the fucked up part too. Like, the cap is so low. What is it for an individual? Is it 150? Maybe it's less. It might, I think it's like 105. Yeah. If you make over 105,000 bucks a year, you can't do a normal Roth, but you can do a backdoor, you can convert a, a Roth, and it's called a backdoor Roth. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you, what you do is make a non uh, deductible IRA contribution. So you're using after-tax money and you're putting it in the IRA and then you, you convert that to the Roth IRA right away. And so it basically tells the government that you had no gain, so you, there's no tax due, so you're able to put it in. But if you already have a IRA, then it's a percentage base. So you, you don't, it's not for everyone. It only 
applies in certain you know circumstances. And this, my friends, so. is why you need somebody yeah. helping <laughs> you. Because like there's just it's just too it's too much to know. Yeah. Like all and I mean that the same way I think about my CPA. Like obviously I'm the, the days of like doing H and R Block or TurboTax. Yeah, they're over. Left the building. Yeah. yeah. And even though I pay him money, which I don't like doing because it's never <laughs> fun but he has saved me way more than i'll ever pay him and he's made me way more just based on even if you go back to things i fucked up to like amend my taxes that i was doing stupid shit that he fixed and got me tens of thousands of dollars and like during the pandemic and all the things like there's a lot of stuff that you do get from these guys who you guys know more shit than we do that's yeah, it. we're in, you know we're interacting with it every day. It's almost like yeah. it's your job. Yeah, it's like our job. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know me coming to you and telling you uh, how how we should run a class. You know, like well, it's it's I, how I think about uh, a real estate agent. If if for most people, your primary residence, if you're not going to buy like a commercial space like myself, that's the most expensive purchase you'll ever make. Why the fuck would you not do it with somebody who knows what the hell's going on? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it just makes sense. And if you're, this is kind of like your life planning money, it would make sense to have somebody at least check in with you a couple times a year. Right. So what if somebody who's like listening and they're 50 and they feel like they're behind, you know, do you walk them through like, hey, here's... Here's the number. Here's what you should say based on your income. Do you ever talk to them about like, hey, you know, maybe this shit you own really is owning you because you have way too much house and you got these car payments. Like, do you walk that line with them? I guess it depends on the relationship. But I just know if it was me, like, and I didn't do this and I would, and I had enough money under management where I could fuck around with people. I'd be like, hey, dude, this house is killing you, man. And these cars are killing you and you're never going to get where you want to go if this is what you continue to do. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've had those conversations before. They're not fun to have, but you have to have them. You know, they have to realize that, you know, they're they're hurting themselves. You know, you can't you can't do that. So um, Dude, like how do how do people take that? Like depends, I guess, on their station and how old they are. And yeah, sometimes sometimes they don't take it very well. But you know, they're like, I, "Fuck you, dude! I'm gonna do what I want to do." Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had one person in particular. Um, you know, they had a house a, a house in San Diego, a house here, um, well, two houses here, like Scottsdale. Yeah, in Scottsdale, they uh, were they were um, fighting with the one neighbor. So that's why they bought the second house here. And so they they were trying to pay for three houses. And I was like, at one they were time. taking, you know, thousands of dollars out of their port more way, like say 10% out of their portfolio instead of that 4% number. Just to pay for this. To pay for us. I said, you guys, this is not going to, you're going to run out of money. You have to do something. So, you know, so they, they didn't listen, you know, and, um, you know, they're not in a great spot now. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like you're just bleeding. I couldn't imagine three, three taxes, three yeah. mortgages, three insurances. And just here, like if it's in Scottsdale and I'm assuming San Diego, they're not shitholes. No, they're probably decent places. Yeah. It was a nice place, but it was a condo in like downtown Scott, uh, San Diego. So it had a lot of expenses, you know, every, oh, dude. the HOA plus the taxes, plus the insurance plus, and they didn't even go use it. 
like they didn't even use it so i was like why are you paying for you know sell it you need that money you know or you need to lower your calorie intake <laughs> or your expenses yeah and you can use that money to grow so yeah it's it's you know not a pleasant conversation but also you know part of my process that i have with all my clients so when i'm sitting down with them is where and I, I think we want to talk about this but you know you have a performance review and my favorite part about the performance review for myself is when i'm having this check-in with with a person is i'm looking at a graph that's showing me um how their investments did and if they're withdrawing money you know how did the portfolio withstand what they took out and if i see this sharp like or if I start seeing it declining, yeah, then I'm like red flag, red flag, you know, either the portfolio that I put together for them isn't, you know, meeting its needs or they're taking too much money out. And, and so it's a converse, it's an, a red flag for me to have that conversation. You know, one of two things needs, needs to happen. Either I need to go back to the portfolio and possibly increase the amount of risk that you're taking so that it could, perform enough to withstand the withdrawal rate you're doing or you need to stop stop spending money so you know it's kind of like you know you're in someone comes in you and you could you know you probably could see that um, by the shape that they're in yeah they're <laughs> you know literally it's the energy expenditure is not enough for like what they're consuming yeah and the fitness or finance is just the inverse of that really yeah, yeah. when you see people because like, it basically what it comes down to is they probably have an amount they need to live off of per year. Yeah. And you're just trying to figure that out. And yep. when people, we just get too loose with it. I don't know if it's because there's no pain associated with credit cards and with this new digital world we're in. And I'm not against these things, but there's a, a pain association that happens when you hand money to somebody and buy something and then they give you something back. There's an exchange of goods there when it's so much harder for me to spend hundreds of dollars in cash than in a credit card a credit card i don't feel shit i don't like it like it still bugs me yeah but the money's painful and i say this because we buy a lot of our stuff in cash like i still use paper money um because it is painful and it helps heather and it helps myself so when i go buy not my beautiful honda accord which i drove today because man that thing is sweet yeah, it is um, awesome. but even that when i went and bought that like years and years and years ago i gave the guy i think was like probably eight thousand dollars of it in Cash. cash paper money because i'm like fuck dude this is not fun to do yet we don't live in that world anymore no. everything is just click deliver and i feel like that's i don't know what the credit card balances are now for america but i think they're at like the peak oh it's scary yeah and it's what at it, a peak and then I, someone told me the other day like new credit card applications like surpassed like 10 million or something that was just something insane and what's a normal i don't even know what a credit card what the interest rates are on credit cards. Yeah. It's like in the twenties. I think so. I'm not sure either, but yeah, it's. So what do you tell people if that's like, I mean, I know obviously like don't pay money on credit cards, like don't pay interest because it's fucking stupid. Yeah. So I've, I've, it's not my normal client person, but I've had like one or two people where they did come to me and you know, we just strategically, try to do like balance transfers you know to zero you know put together a plan like hey to get them out of debt yeah you could i know you could only put say five hundred dollars away towards your credit card we'll move this to zero percent 
one for 12 months, you know, put, um, put that there. So every, all $500 is kind of eating away at the, at the balance. And then after 12 months, roll it over to another one, you know, keep doing that until you could get that to zero, you know, because you're hurting yourself, right? Because the credit cards eat you alive. Oh, totally. They're, um, it's probably in the world. I mean, student loans are probably, it's a whole, it's a whole different podcast. Yeah. But those are the ones you can never escape. And those are predatory as fuck too. But the credit cards, because they get so high for people and people just get buried. Yeah. Like if it's 20, dude, that's like mafia shit. And you know, before when you could refinance your house, pay off your credit card at two, two and a half, three 3% mortgage, that would probably work for you. But now who's going to go and get a 7% mortgage? I mean, I don't know. Well, and how do you deal with, um, if it's like people asking you about like vehicle purchases? Um, maybe not now because your client base is more affluent than it was, let's say, 20 years ago. But if someone is like, hey, you know, I want to buy this car and have an $800 a month car payment and I make $100,000 a year and I really need this Mercedes or I really need this Range Rover, but I'm, and I'm saving, you know, barely enough in retirement or maybe they're they're putting in only the minimum and they want to do this like obviously vehicles are i have my own opinion because i'm not a car person but you are a car person yeah i love cars yeah <laughs> and so you're probably the best person to ask what is your get this hey hey you know Dimitri, i'm a car person you know i love this car i really need this i want it but it's going to cost me 800 bucks a month and that's a huge percentage of like my take-home pay yeah you know, I don't get that question because yeah, most of the clients I have they're rich. They're rich. They don't. You know, they they, don't, they, they just buy. But if pay someone cash, if but, if someone was to ask you, yeah, I mean, I I would discourage them to do that, right? Like try to f- find something where you're still putting that ten fifteen percent away for retirement. Um, it's. Not I guess what I'm saying is like yeah, if they if they're a normal person, they say hey, one day they they don't own a home yet, like they want to buy a house, they don't have one. They, but they want to save a down payment for it. They still want to save for retirement, yet they're paying all this money on a vehicle. Yeah. Sell it. Don't buy it. Or don't buy it if you, you haven't bought it yet. And just, like, drive some cheap shit. Yeah. Until you're what rich. you could afford it, yeah. But people don't yeah. want to do that. No. Yeah. Especially now because the rates are getting. Yeah. more uh, Auto loans are at 7% too. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, do you have thoughts on, like, uh, the day trading stuff? The people who do... Um, whether it is like Coinbase or the Robinhood apps and stuff, like, do you have clients who do any kind of shit like that? Oh, I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I tell them, you know, it's their Las Vegas money. Yeah. Like carve it, you know, we talked about asset allocation. Well, you know, I have all their, you know, long-term investment money that's going to keep them on track to meet those goals. But if they want to carve out, you know, this amount of money, a percentage, a percentage, yeah, 5%, whatever, whatever works for them individually and if they want to mess around go for it you know i they're they have to have fun you know i'm not opposed to someone having fun but now someone that's doing it because they think that's all they can do and they're taking on too much risk you know not understanding you know the same like i like i said vegas money you know you don't go to vegas with you have a hundred thousand dollars in your pocket that's the only hundred thousand dollars you have and you think you're gonna come home with two hundred thousand this the odds aren't are very slim that that's gonna happen and so the same thing with day trading take that take what you could afford to lose like if you could lose it all um 
you know, you could play with it if, if that's, you know, what you want to do. That doesn't change time. your life. Either yeah. It doesn't way. change your life. Right. Yeah. Because it, you're probably not going to win. You're probably not going to win. Right. These, the, the markets, Robin hood and like, if it is Robin hood or Coinbase or whatever, or, you know, uh, DraftKings or, uh, you know, uh, the Luxor or the MGM grand, they're not built on, like winners, bro. Yeah. It's built on losers. Yeah. Uh, how, like when I would talk, like my advisor came to me and he's like, Hey man, it doesn't matter. He's like, if you want to light $50,000 on fire in your driveway, if you want to buy a car with it, if you want to buy fucking Bitcoin with it, he's like, it doesn't matter. He goes, it's not going to change what we have set up here and what your plan is. And so I guess everybody just has to, cause that's the way I look at it. I'm yeah. like, if I was to buy, Ethereum or Bitcoin or, you know, give it to the guy down the street. I'm like, if it goes to zero, it's not going to change my life. Now, if it, you know, does what, you know, my thesis would be, I'm like, super cool. Yeah. Then I made money. But again, it's, I'm not thinking it's going to happen in a year or two years. I'm thinking a little technology in 10 years. Right. If this is the way that adoption goes and stuff like that. I guess the point is. That's the way to think about it. Yeah. Most people think, well, it's, I'm going to do this get rich quick shit. No. Yeah. You can't do that. It That's, doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, there's a saying like, you know, markets, oh, what is it? Um, markets can be ir irrational longer than you can. <laughs> oh, 100%. And so you, you might think, oh, you know, I could hold, I could hold this. I'm going to make money. And, you know, it's going to bite you. <laughs> is there so, a, like a, the biggest mistake you see people that they make trying to become wealthy or just become like, financially free it's taking more risk than they yeah they're 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 putting themselves in a position where they're taking too much risk and they're they're going to hurt themselves yeah so you know that crash that market crash you know bitcoin's going to two hundred thousand. you know it's at twenty thousand. dude people tell me like yeah a million yeah a million whatever people on you know? they're saying 10 million yeah that's, like, how much how how much do you follow that personally? Like, do you look at any of it? I don't. I don't understand it myself. So, like, where know, I'll I'm, see like you know like Michael Saylor at like MicroStrategy buys like a billion dollars of it, and I'm like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. And I understand the the thought process behind it, but it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I look at it, it's so. I mean, all of it though, too. Like everything is like risk reward. I wouldn't want to put, but that's the way I feel about everything. I'm not going to do all real estate, even though like, I don't think that's inherently bad. If you could, if you wanted to, if you could buy everything in cash, you wouldn't become a landlord if that was, but that's a job though. Yeah. And that's the same, like, I think that with everything, but I'd, I'd like to have multiple, but that's me. Yeah. Where a lot of that, I'm like, it just seems. But if, if you had, you know, 10 properties in Scottsdale, are you going to be as diversified as someone that has, 10 properties across, you know, 10 different states. No. No. So, you know, but are you comfortable with that risk? Like Scottsdale goes in, Scottsdale says no more water for anyone. And what do we uh, do about that? Yeah, too? <laughs> what know, if that happens? We're fucked. Yeah, we're fucked. But, God. you know, so if your neighbor has 10 properties that are across other states and, you know, we get turned off from all water in general, you know, he's probably not sweating bullets, but you, you are, you know, so diversification, you know, comes back to, um, 
risk tolerance. Risk tolerance, right? And the bell curve. You remember the this the whole bell curve? Yeah. Yeah. How much standard deviation do you want to take? And that's how we build these models. Is you know, okay, if you have this much standard deviation, these are the ranges of returns you could expect on the good side and on the bad side, and and that's you know how you have to think about it. And so, well, most people don't want to get rich slow. Yeah, they want to do it super fast. And again, if you're a high earner, you can do it relatively quickly. If you get, and again, whatever you want to do, you can leverage stuff or get rid of your debts and you can start to stack in money. But that a lot of it is, it's like long-term stuff yeah. for the, for the average person. Like obviously there's outliers, but the normal person who just goes to a job, they make, you know, a hundred thousand bucks a year. They're probably not going to have $10 million in three years. No, but it, it's going back to fitness too, right? Like if, if I make a hundred thousand dollars and I could, cut my expenses down so all I need is $30,000 to live on and I could put 70 grand in investments every year for the next 10 years. Crushing it. Crushing it, right? If I want to come to the gym seven days a week like I yeah. want to, <laughs> you know, I, I've... Versus coming two days a week. Yeah, versus two days. Huge so, difference. Right. So how much are you willing to sacrifice now, you know, for that later? You know, same thing as the gym. And a lot of times too, if it's, if you can do it earlier in your world, I mean, even fitness too, but the earlier you can do it, yeah, the bigger that's going to pay off. Yeah. Uh, any mistakes like you've made, like personally with like with money, like with things you've done where you're like, you know what? And again, always Monday morning quarterbacks, always the easiest to kind of be like, well, you know, I would have done this different or this different or anything like super stupid. But con since you've always been in it, maybe you didn't do anything no, catastrophic. I've done stupid things. Of course I you know, I, you know, when I look at it, you know, could I have put more money in my Roth, in a Roth IRA? Could I have done more money in my 401k? Could I have done, you know, there's, there's things I look back and now that I've seen, you know, the compounding growth of what I did do, I said, shit, if I did a little bit more, you know, You'd have, I'd have way more money, I would have so much more money. And, you know, so that's one thing. Or if you I, had all this cash when the market just ate it in yeah. 08, you're like, yeah, I could buy all these. I remember in my condo complex, there was a guy, and this is crazy to say, he's going around buying units in cash, but yeah. he's buying them for pennies in the dollar, dude. These are foreclosures or short sales where it's like he's buying a studio like in the Biltmore for 40 grand. Yeah. And he's buying like five of them, yeah. six of them. And I always thought like, God, that's crazy. And I'm like, well, no, shit, I could fucking do that if I was in that same environment. And that dude has to murder it. But again, he had to have been in a position to have this liquid money. When the whole world is basically in a panic, he's super calm. Yeah, there was no liquidity, but he had he had the one thing everyone wants, liquidity. He yeah. had it. And so, you know, that that's key right there, right? So if, if, you're, if you're not thinking through those things, you know, you can... You're not going to have those the le uh, leverage, or not the leverage, but the liquidity you need to take advantage of. But um, the other thing I'd say, I may, maybe a mistake that I saw that I did um, was like one of the cars that I bought. We had leased, you know, and leasing a car is not a great idea. Huh? No, you know, it was. It's I, the most expensive way to have a car. Yeah. No, if you 
I'm not a, obviously I think all auto loans are stupid. Yeah. I'm not judging anybody. This is me, dude. But again, I'm not a car guy. I don't give a shit. Like I drove this today just cause I'm like, I haven't driven it in like a month and I want to make sure the battery didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> but God, it is such a piece of shit, but it's amazing though. And I love it because it's, it's, and I say that not to cut you off, but it's changed the trajectory of my life by buying these things that didn't cost me much. It allowed me to invest into retirement accounts, uh, the market outside of that, and then obviously buy different real estate. Where if I had the same payments, like I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. But you're leasing a vehicle. Like what is that at the time? A couple hundred bucks? Or what car, what car was it? It was a 1995 Nissan 300ZX. And so, um, a little Z, yeah, a little Z. So Heather's dad used to have one like yeah. way, way back in the day. Yeah. Um, but you know, I love the car. Yeah. So why would I lease it? I ended up, you know, buying it out when, when the lease was up and I was sitting there thinking like, well, now I'm paying all this extra interest for an, a now auto loan when I could have just paid it off, you know, before in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, yeah. um, that's a big one. I mean, that's a lot of people. They, again, I'm not judging anybody. You do what you need to do. But I just know for me, if you can live as cheap as you can, as long as you can, that's probably the best advice from my uh, basic standpoint. Because it allows you to do things. Again, the way I think about it is if I was to, would you rather fly first class for the first 20 years of your life or the last 50 years of your life? And I'd rather not be in Southwest C78 the last 50 years of my life. I'd rather have the money to be able to play with and do it as I get older. Yeah. Personally. Definitely. Uh, you got a bounce or you good? No, I just got to send this quick message real quick. Cool. Um, I'm going to ask this too, and then we'll get you out of here. The um, All the stimulus that they printed in the last 18 months or so, how does that play out here? Well, like, can they pull enough money out? Like, how does this, how does this plane land here? Not softly. Yeah, they're gonna. They say they want to make it soft, um, but the odds are. And what is when I say that? Like, what is? I know what I, I know what it means. But what do you feel like that looks like? Or when people are listening, like, what are they talking about? Yeah. So interest rates continue to go up. They're gonna make everything so expensive that everyone thinks about it twice. You know. So. Yeah, you've been cooped up for two years from COVID and you really want to go to Europe on your family vacation, um, you know, where before the pandemic, it maybe cost, say, five grand for your whole family to go. But now it costs 15 grand. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah. Are you going to do it? Yeah. So we talked about who who inflation hurts is, you know, the middle class d down. Yeah. You know, so and any fixed income person. Yeah, yeah, any fixed income person. You know, you're not you're gonna think twice. And that's what they're gonna do to and so is it gonna be a soft landing? I don't I don't know how it can be. You no. Know? Like when do rates even start to come down? when we're the the Fed will pivot when we're in a full like people are getting laid off and And the government's gonna pressure the shit out of them. Yeah. I'm sure they already are. Yeah. But they can't because they they waited way too long. This should have happened. The rates should have been going up like a year ago at least. Yeah. If not longer. Yeah. Or I mean, right? If I had to guess. And again, I'm a fitness guy. What do I know? 
No, they they should have. You know, when they said it was transitory, they the, should have been. They're full of shit. Yeah, they were wrong. Like God. you know, they were completely wrong. Whoever was telling them that it was transitory. Like you wonder, like you yeah. guys really didn't know. Yeah. Like how did I'm confused at how we didn't see this. Yeah. yeah that's. I don't know. I I think about it because obviously I go to housing and stuff. Like this has to be some kind of kind of. I don't want to say it's a housing bubble, but the prices are way too high to be able to sell at any interest rates even close to what we're doing right now. And what I mean is like, think about it. If it was a year ago, and I think I, sh- I, th- I don't know if I talked about this yet. If the interest rate was just under 3% or like 3% a year ago, or if it's over 7% today, well, and that payment was, let's say 2,500 bucks, that 2,500 bucks a year ago will buy you a house for like, I don't know, seven, seven fifty. Now that same twenty five hundred bucks buys you a house for like four thirty. Right. That's two different realities completely. And so I guess the question would be if you had to guess like how long till it gets from this over seven percent back down to like even four percent. Because the numbers are so high now, I don't think four percent's even affordable for people at the even if the prices are relatively where they're at. Yeah. So then houses don't move and these people like realtors, uh, lenders, these uh, loan officers. Yeah, the the prices would have to come down substantially. Drastically. Yeah. Like, okay, so the only thing that could change it is if rents, rental income, or rent rents are going up at 10%. Okay. Which so is now, crazy so, too. So, you know, to your point, um, if you're paying $5,000 to rent something, but you could own for four thousand. Yeah, you could own something for four thousand. You're gonna ch- switch, right? Because yeah. now it's a thousand dollars cheaper. So there, there's a equilibrium there that will turn. That would, yeah. That, that would, if that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It just seems like it's so. It's just so much. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Kind of nuts, man. It's so nuts. And yeah. the and the fact that like thirteen percent of people have car loans over a thousand bucks. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Could you, so, could you imagine doing that except, as like a normal person? Yeah, no. Jesus, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I mean, what, is, what does it look like a year from now, if you had a guess? I think... Like, what then, do you tell your people? Because the markets have been just eating shit. Yeah. So, you guys are just like... And that's how you guys make money. Right, right. That's how you make money. Yeah. So... They make money, you make money. Yeah. They lose money. So income, income is key right now. Um, because in a year, uh, one of two things is going to happen either... We are in this full-blown recession, and I, I agree with you. I think we're in one now. We're already in one, everybody. We're in one. Just take it from me. But if we're in a more, if it's if this is going to be a deep recession, then in a year. You, and what do you think it will be? It, yeah. Yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah, if I had to guess, it will be. Yeah. And then. Because people will, job losses are probably on the horizon, if anybody doesn't understand that. Right. Because these corporations have to remain profitable. Yeah. That's how the market works. Yep. And how, what's the easiest way to stay profitable? Well, just cut expenses. Cut expenses. And yeah. what is that? People. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. So, but the market, this is a key thing, Jeremy, that I don't think a lot of people understand. Markets looking ahead six months or more all the time. Okay. So when the pandemic hit in the beginning, I got calls all the time. Why is the market hitting new highs? It's pricing in. It was pricing in the trillions of dollars that hadn't even hadn't even got into people's hands yet. 
Okay. But, but once they like announced it or well, they once they knew? announced it, once the government said we're going to be putting these, this money in, giving money, everyone money, the market went yeah. crazy. Right. So, so it might, we might be in a, like a deep recession in, in a year from now, but now's the time to still be buying because these, the market's going to start sniffing out when that's going to end, you know, and it, and then all of a sudden it's too late. So the biggest question I get all the time in this environment is, well, if we know the market's crappy, why don't we just sell everything and put it in cash instead of losing money? And your, ca your cash is losing money. Your cash is losing money. But the other reason you don't want to do that is because if you miss the, there's like tons of statistics about this, but if you miss out on the 10 best days of the market. I've read that before. Your return goes down by 70%. So, cause you can't time it. You can't time it. You're not like, if you're the dude, first of all, if you don't know if you're the dude who can time it, you're not the dude. Yeah. It's like, if you don't know if you're going to be an NBA, you're probably not going to be in the NBA. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's the kind of the equivalent. There's some dudes who are awesome. Right. Very few. Yeah. They just can't you, do it. You, it's luck. You know, you, you have to make so many good decisions to try to time things. At the right time. At the right time. All perfect, the time. Perfect timing though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like I, otherwise, because you're trying to basically what they're trying to do is buy at the bottom and hit a moonshot. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, but the markets, like I said, they'll they'll turn before we. Everyone will be so like negative, you know, like totally, and that's when, like the next day, the market's gonna go back up. And if you miss those ten days, you're you're just trying to catch up. And so just, you know, like I said in the very beginning, Nordstrom's is having a huge sell. Buy as much stuff as you can. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And just because you're, when people say like, oh, I'm losing money, you, you didn't lose any money because you didn't sell anything. Right. You only lose it yeah. if you sell it. Yeah. Otherwise, you still own the same stuff. And I always would go off the, you know, the basic concept of, well, do I think Apple is worth less money today than yesterday? No. No. It's the same company. Yeah. The iPhone is still awesome. Like it's the same. A MacBook is still awesome. Yeah. It's whether they evaluate it at this money versus it's the same. And I didn't sell it anyway. Yeah. So if I just buy it and hold it, like if you go the old Warren Buffett shit, yeah, that dude holds stuff for like a thousand years. Oh, totally. He's doing all right. And this, the, yeah, for sure. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing okay. He, yeah. So and and then what you want to do in this time frame is look at what you own and and if you can upgrade it, maybe now's the time. So let's say you, because. Because it's probably worth less than what it was a year ago. But if if you could if you had something a year ago that had say a twenty thousand dollar capital gain, but you didn't really like the company anymore, um, and so, so so but you didn't want to pay taxes, so you held on to it. Yeah. And now that capital gain might be zero or negative. Yeah. You know, sell that thing and buy an Apple or something that you really like. Uh, now because now's the time to do these like clean up clean up shop right like do a cleanse or you know or you know do something that's like gonna position yourself better going forward and don't be afraid capital losses is a good thing too it doesn't sound fun but if if i t if i harvest so tax loss harvesting is huge right now right because yep. if i had apple at a loss and i go and i buy well, Apple's not a good a good one. So yeah. let me give a different example. So uh, let's say Intel 
we've got a lot of Intel people here. You know, could I sell some of my Intel stock today and um, take the loss, buy something else for 31 days, and then go back into Intel? And now I have, let's say, all these losses. I'm a, I'm a tax-free investor for the next three years by just doing this simple strategy of tax loss harvesting. You know, or, you know, so now... So now for three years, I'm not going to have to pay any taxes and I could be making money. And, you know, so tax loss harvesting is a good strategy in this type of market, too. And that, my friends, is why you need to have somebody help you because <laughs> normal people do not do that shit. Yeah. So if, if you advice for people for the next like year um, and obviously everybody's it's, it's blanket, but somebody there just they're doing the normal hopefully dollar cost averaging they're just going to have their stuff on auto recurring maybe they're sitting on a bunch of cash um if you had a guess like in a year from today where where what what is the world and nobody knows man hmm. but like what does it look like what is you know the what does the market look like what does housing look like just any general idea and no one knows no <laughs> yeah yeah obviously if if you know anyone that tries to pretend that you they can't. know you can't yeah run away from them because they're, they're full just of trying to take your money <laughs> yeah i mean if i had a guess i would think i mean they'll raise the rates for the rest of the year yeah i would imagine and then at some point they'll have to when the if the world's melting they'll have to cut them yep but prices will have to just decrease like crazy but i think you're going to see a mess with housing shit probably a mess with auto loans yep because people will, again, if people lose jobs and they can't pay for their $1,000 car anymore, those cars got to go somewhere and somebody's got to take those bad boys. Yep. It's crazy. But for most people, I'd say stay diversified too. So the S&P 500, which is the kind of common large company index that we have, has 11 sectors. Okay. And so if you only own technology or one of you know say energy and that's only one of the 11 sectors you're hurting yourself right so know what you own know how much you own how much risk you're taking and and have a process so if if you own all 11 congratulations you're you're doing the right thing because you are diversified and you know like i said i don't know but maybe next year uh utility stocks do really well because we are in a recession and they, everyone has to have power right yeah so your utility stocks grow by 10 percent while everything else is down 10 more percent sell some utility stocks in a, in a year and buy some of those things that are down 10 percent and and so what are you doing you're you know essentially trying to you know buy low and sell at high points and so you you're using the diversification to your advantage you know so the takeaways for people get an advisor or a team of people who can help you save early, save often, and have an idea of like what ultimately like what you want your life to look like today, but also like in the future. How long do you want to work? What does you know? And when you, when you say retirement, this is it's a you know an arbitrary term kind of because like to me it's just like a different phase of your life. Like whether you are fully working or not working, but what what does that look like to you? That's all like I kind of think about is okay. Like when. 
would I want to just be like, you know, fuck it, I've had enough. And like, what does that look like for me, for my wife, for my family? But those are conversations you all have with like a professional. And I don't, and obviously if 35% of people have advisors, and I think that's probably even generous, like not a lot of people are doing that. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Map it out, you know, just like your fitness goals. Uh, that's a lot, dude. Yeah. I'm about to pee my pants. <laughs> it's like two, we're like 235 in here. Yeah. Um, any final advice to anybody who's listening anything or you think we covered it all yeah i think we did good where um where do these guys can they stalk you at where do they what do you mean put i mean i can put your stuff on there yeah so do i'm to harass you <laughs> sure <laughs> are you on social media no uh i'm on linkedin so oh, you're on the professional shit yeah the professional well i do have an instagram page but do you really it's just the personal blog that's not very you want people to, <laughs> to harass you on there yeah sure um, but if they got questions and stuff, how do they, um, yeah. what do you want me to shoot you a message? Yeah. Message me or, um, my email is, so my first name, Dimitri, D I M I T R I dot Spanos, S P A N O S at opco.com. So O P C O.com. I'll throw it in the show notes too. Okay. Um, it'll, pl- this will come out on our newsletter too. Uh, and I'll pump it out here. Okay. But yeah, it's all good. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, some people are like, why the hell? I hate listening to finance stuff. Yeah. But it it doesn't have to be something you hate, but, you know, j- just have have a roadmap. And, it's some, you know, if some a lot of people just not knowing, you know, they might be in the great shape. They might be fine, you know, but you have to check. It's kind of a wellness check. You got to do those. Well, you can't just put your head in the sand and like hope for the best because right. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people accidentally get wealthy. It's no. just, it's like it's like accidentally being fit your whole life. Yeah, it's it's a it takes consistent, diligent work, and it's not always sexy. Um, some parts of it are for sure. I know the retirement thing for a lot of people throws them off, but I always would it would it would feel terrible to me if I had to and and who knows like I'm just this is a general observation like Heather and I will be somewhere like at a grocery store and we don't know people's stories so it's like not like we're judging but when I see someone who's like 75 you know and they're they're checking you out at the grocery store maybe they're just bored and they want something to do but no offense if I'm fucking bored at 75 that's not what I want to do no so I feel like if I had to do that because I didn't make these decisions earlier it'd be a really hard pill to swallow knowing that I did it to myself right and I didn't save enough money or diversify early enough right so hopefully you guys um, grasp some stuff out of that. But if you got specific questions, obviously um, shoot them on over. But I do think it's an important thing, just because even though like I'm not a I'm not a money person, I'm like everybody else though. I and again I would do most of this for free if we lived in a in a free world, but we don't, and the world's fucking expensive. So you got to make money. <laughs> and if you're gonna go, especially if you're going to a job that you don't necessarily love, um, and you're just doing something to provide for your family and your kids and stuff. It's almost like your responsibility to put them in the best position possible. And you're trading your lifetime for money. And there's no way you can make enough um, to have enough. I really, even the people, especially if you're, even if you're you're a high earner, you make, what is 1% America? 450K a year, give or take. Yeah. So if you're 450, a million, 2 million, you probably have an inflated lifestyle as well. Right. So if you want to keep that same lifestyle, you need to keep making that money yeah until you die yeah that's for sure 
So I appreciate it, dude. Uh, this is great. You guys, I'm going to put all his stuff uh, in the show notes. If you got questions for him, obviously hit him up. Hopefully you guys found it informative. I tried to cover everything um, and get as much insight as possible. Obviously, we don't know the future. Um, but again, if you want to be successful with money, it's not really rocket science. Sometimes it's just the, the basic stuff of spending less than you make and investing stuff for yourself today and in the future and not panicking when shit goes sideways. Sound good? Good summary. Awesome, dude. Um, <laughs> again, if you guys want to pick up the Jeremy Scott Fitness app, jeremyscottfitness.app, you guys get a week for free on me. Link is in the show notes. And again, uh, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. Give you guys a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with order one. And we'll give you a free sample if you guys want one as well. So I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank good you. Stuff. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to harass him, um, his stuff will be in the show notes. Ask him a question. He's very knowledgeable. And uh, we'll have him on again, I'm sure, when uh, when the world goes uh, completely sideways here in six months or a year. So, um, thank you guys. As always, I appreciate you. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.